1: Good evening, Andon.
2: Good evening, Gabby. How are you doing?
1: I'm okay, and welcome all to part five now, isn't it? Of it uh, is, yeah. Here, of Book Corner, which originally come out of um the Current View, uh, the, the yep. regular weekly podcast that we do, and then through social media we come apart, uh, come across each other because you have a wonderful presence on social media, promoting so many fantastic books. And I just said, fancy doing a podcast together. Yep, why not? This is the fifth one. So for listeners that don't know about MyFootballBooks.com, just briefly tell us all about you and what you do. Okay,
2: excellent. Well, thank you for your kind words, firstly. So yeah, my football have um, got our own dedicated website, so www.myfootballbooks.com. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at uh, myfootballbooks, Facebook, and also Instagram for the younger uh, listeners out there. Uh, and uh, yeah, my football books came about uh, with COVID-19, the lockdown when it started. God, it feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? When did it start now? Summer two of 2020, ago, around about? Uh, yeah, two years ago. So yeah. I had a bit of time on my hands. I was, I was made, um, uh, oh, I forget what, what they're called, you furloughed. furloughed or,
3: that's
2: it, yeah. yeah. That's it. The word I've never heard of before, and everyone talks about it now, but I was furloughed. Yeah, so I had a bit of time on my hands, and my favourite pastime has always been reading football books. And uh, lo and hold an idea coming to my head. I thought, oh, why don't I share some of the books that I read? And, and it just evolved from there. And now I've got a website where I talk about recommended. Books that I've read, but also ones that's uh, new released uh, and that's coming soon as well. So, uh, But um, yeah, so if you follow me on Twitter and through the other channels and look at the website, you'll be able to get an idea of all the range of fabulous books that cover all parts of the beautiful game, as you know, Gavin.
1: And you can also subscribe to uh, to Andy's you website. Can. You then get a newsletter every month, which is fantastic. Your website yep. is off the scale. It is absolutely brilliant. You decide your, you. your own icon. Uh, it's all your, your designing. Uh, I love the mugs as well. And your bookmark <laughs> is still on page 105 of Grandad <laughs> What Was Football Like in the 70s. Excellent. <laughs> so, God, so, it's
2: still firmly in there. <laughs> it, it ain't
1: It ain't moved, mate. I've been so busy with uh, doing my researching, and et cetera for my podcast. Good. So apologies, yeah. Richard Crooks. It's a fantastic book. Uh, love the picture uh, of the cover with <laughs> Pelé playing F. Santos against his beloved uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, the football yeah. book, the glasses and the uh, the coffee cup as well on the table in a true 70s iconic uh, front cover. And on the back is the FA Cup final of 1973, the programme, yeah. Leeds versus Sunderland. And uh, Sir Ralph Ramsey holding the globe and a red card. I don't know what the red card's about. I must ask Richard one of these days. No, I don't know. But we did reference when talk about the uh, book corner on the current view. And I'm just going to go back to uh, part uh, 103. So this is last month. You uh, sent us uh, Samat Busby, the men who made a football club by Patrick Barclay. You oh, yes. Then the week after, you gave us, I believe, An End of Innocence, The Watershed Season, 1959 60, by Tim uh, Quelsch. The week after, you sent us uh, Destroying Angel, Steve Bloomer, England's Finest yep. Football Hero, by Peter Seddon. And then you kindly sent us. Uh, from Radford to Roger Osborne, when the FA Cup really mattered, yeah. that was Volume Two. There's three in the trilogy. This was the seventies by Matthew Eastley, and we didn't do one last week because A I, I had parents' evening, and B Terry had a problem with his knee. Uh, so, so we we gave Brilliant Orange by David Winner a shout. This week for last week's podcast. So those are all the books that you've sent us in the last month of recording the current View with the Oil of Hillsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. What books have you read this month? You know I haven't, but what have you? I'm guessing (laughs) two, maybe three?
2: Yeah, I've got two or three I've uh, done uh, since we last spoke. So I've got one I've just recently just started, um... Which is uh, I'm only literally a few pages into it. Called Part Life. It's a book that was sent yeah, to me. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah by yeah. Peter Roberts. Um, uh, I've communicated a few times through Twitter, but it's um, it's focused on Sunday league football. Which is uh, well, I think anyone listening here here uh, will have fond memories of uh, Sunday league football, watching or playing it. So, uh, and it's uh, it's a it's reads brilliant It's based on the four seasons of Rondo football. Okay. Hopefully, I, hope I pronounced that right, uh, correctly. Uh, Rondo, and Wales. Uh, Valley. Sure. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So. Uh, north. And it's writ. It's north, is it? Mm. Excellent. Yeah, apparently, talks apparently about...
1: I've got relatives in the Rondo Valley. Apparently, All right. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, so my
2: dad tells me. Yeah. <laughs> you can pronounce some of the words better than me. Then, so my Welsh is uh, not uh, not brilliant. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, but no, it's about celebration of the Sunday League footballers. It's obviously a million miles away from the prima donnas of the Premier League. And I'm just, I already, it's getting stuck into it. It brings out so many memories. When I think about Sunday League football as well, just great times. I can even think back now when I'm with my friends, we always talk about that game from years ago, et cetera, when we won it in the last minute on a mud pitch and all that, et cetera. So, but no it's um, yeah it looks fascinating book uh, and I love these kind of books as well it's <laughs> away from your your traditional uh, or let's say your famous stories but so many people associate these kind of uh, you know the words etc and he puts them here uh, about it's provided in the best of times uh, Sunday league football and uh, yeah I'm sure that'll echo many people as well so yeah that's <clears throat> Part Life by uh, Peter Roberts it's out through uh, your loafer books and I'm sure I've pronounced that wrong, as I've already just said. <laughs> I think they're a, a Welsh publisher, so, yeah, part of life. Um, one I did finish uh, recently, um, I started it some time about, it, for whatever reason, and I, I didn't finish it, and I've come back to it. It's called We Lose Every Week. Uh, it's the history of football chanting by a guy yeah. called Andrew uh, Lorne. Yeah, it's come out through, through Ockley Books. It came out not last year, I it was a year before, uh, so it's yeah a history of football chanting, and and also from the title it doesn't really sometimes probably I'm not sure it does it justice. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. Honestly, I'd really recommend it. It's fascinating because it, it covers um, yeah how football chanting has evolved from Victorian times and then uh, through the years. It covers so many areas from uh, in terms of how like society has impacted football, political as well over the years, etc., and also how it's impacted. How football fans behave and how they sing, etc. Uh, wonderful stories like if you ever Google um YouTube, and um, you'll see the cop at uh, Anfield when they're singing uh, "She Loves You" uh, by the oh. Beatles, and you just get a flavour in terms of like the, um, you know, the kind of atmosphere, etc. But it's just a great story, yeah, taking you through a number of uh, areas, touches on things like racism as well when uh, races are used in chants and etc as well which is obviously abhorrent of course but, uh, uh, and how things have changed and how people have got more and more creative and yeah you love it when you go to a game don't you and you hear that chant, and you know there's nothing better than a good atmosphere isn't there uh, I think and, there's
1: some fantastic yeah.
2: football chants yeah.
1: yeah they're brilliant some of the songs that they make up the fans yeah brilliant
2: aren't they oh and, the, and that's what you touches on here as well about the humour as well yeah. And it's a real good humour. And you get that from the two fans as well. When they're, when they're bouncing off each other, it's really good, isn't it? When they are literally are most, And there are people there are literally uh, probably the only an interest in the game. <laughs> and they're just focusing on the away fans and vice versa. But So you just think about even this time last year when you didn't have any crowds, did you? With obviously COVID, etc. It just shows how much, well, it was planned to lead the uh, best, wasn't it? watching the football on the telling. there's no one in the ground I know lots of the players talked about it didn't they at the time etc it's mm. soulless atmosphere but um, no it's a brilliant book History of Football Chanting it's, it's, so it's a part history but in linking it to yeah football fans so uh, yeah and obviously because we all know football fans so important um, to the yeah to the actual meaning of the game really um, and uh, yeah a number of great stories in that. And then one of what I mentioned that I've read this month is called um, A Straggling Life. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before, but it's Andrew Watson. Yeah, I've got that. Um, yeah, sort of saw the world's first black uh, international footballer. So for those who don't know, um was a Scot- Scottish um, international footballer, son of a uh, plantation owner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so fascinating story. One of these that's very. It wasn't. It's famous in Scotland, areas, but not so well known um, further afield, really. Because uh, he's famous for part of the teams when they uh, thrashed England um, in the. I have where exactly when it was, uh, but it's all based on original research and it's written by Lou Walker and it's from the the great guys at Pitch Publishing. So it's yeah. He was known as a Scotch professor. So you're probably familiar with the story as well, Gabby. I think you may have heard of it. I think we've talked about it before,
1: haven't we? Yes. Uh, um, I think they stumbled across <clears throat> the story, didn't they? Because, um, A, he was black. Yeah. B, he played for Scotland. I think he captained Scotland as well, didn't he? He did, You know, it's a fantastic yeah. story. And, um, and you know, history. I love history. Well, football history yeah. in particular. Uh, Parklife, by the way, Blur made a great record of park life as well. They did, yes. And did. and you you did reference grounds being emptied and fans are back. We can't wait to welcome you back, was the cry from the football clubs. I'm sure there's some football clubs now wishing that we were still in lockdown. Reading is one that, that springs to my mind.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the fans surrounded
1: the coaches and wouldn't move, would they? Uh, no, yeah, so, yeah. you know, football fans are great, but I think football fans also um, can, can um, shall we say, cause this, one or two little problems.
2: Yeah, and there have been, suddenly a little bit. I don't know if it, a little bit of that like, seems to have crept up a little bit recently, yeah, doesn't it? When I think of the um, there was Leicester fans at the Forest game, wasn't Absolutely, it? The full hand, yeah. I mean, you had that fan run on, and yeah. then you had, was it Derby Middlesbrough? The
1: yeah, there was, last there
2: was 17 arrests up there. Yeah, that's uh, it. Some people, I just I never understand it. I think you're the same as me. Yeah. There's lots of people listening. There'll be, um, some people they could just far too serious. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's, you know, it's after all, it's football. It's well, sport. I think always... people, atta- people attach themselves, don't they, as well? Yeah. Have, they're not real football fans, anyway. Well, the problem
1: these. is, they actually are. And, you, you know, mm. um, through my association with <clears> Birmingham <throat> City, I, I know yeah. quite a few of the... Um, infamous Zulu Warriors um, and some of the great kids. I mean, I've had an argument with most of them for, uh, you know, certainly on social media because of my support of Jack Grealish and just football. And I post up all (laughs) things football. And when I post up something, Gaston Villa, there's uh, quite a little bit of abuse that that comes my way. But I do know (laughs) a lot of them and they are great kids, but they're just just me when it comes down to football. They tend to, you know, fans go to places and take substances, <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. Some of them are legal and some aren't, <laughs> shall we say, and then get involved in lots of trouble. But I do think you probably find that the more hardened crew and element don't particularly do stuff like that. It, it's almost no. like a job, you know. And yeah. um, be- between the firms, I think that, you know, it's it's quite well organised. It's always been very well organised. And I think there is a code of conduct. I've never been involved in any football violence, but following Birmingham City since I was seven, um, football violence is something that's followed my club around, unfortunately. But yeah, but yeah, you can get out of it if you can. I certainly did. I don't want to get yeah. involved in that type of behaviour. I'd rather have a drink with the opposing supporters, <coughs> uh, talk exactly. about football, and uh, see see you next time we, we play. We'll <laughs> have a pint in the same pub and I'll come to the away games and we'll uh, we'll uh, hang out together and uh, let's just enjoy the beautiful game.
2: Yeah, there's some books like that, actually, that's um, uh, done by, uh, I think, when you think of Zuluwater, I'm trying to remember, is it a one-eyed bath?
1: Yeah, yeah was, great, um, great, lad, great lad, pal of mine.
2: Yeah, it came across really well in the book, of I mean, but yeah, obviously, good, eh? um, mm. probably not, yeah. But again, yeah, it's just a... Uh, it, I vaguely remember it's years ago I read it so uh,
1: yeah absolute, yeah. absolute gentlemen spent quite a yeah. bit of time with Baz a few years ago Uh in Isra in in Turkey we were on holiday and we had a couple of meals together you could not yeah. wish to meet a nicer guy than uh yeah. Barrington Patterson what a fabulous man and that's what I'm saying I know quite a few of them boys, and they don't go and get absolutely off the skulls and stuff like lots of these do. But, I mean, you know, it's it's something that, you know, you don't want to get people into trouble. So I'm not saying whether people are still active or not, but it's common knowledge that there's, you know, people with their... You know the Forest Executive crew and the Baby Squad and and, oh, and, yes. and what have you yes, and, yeah. and books yeah. that have been written about those times back in the day yeah. and and you know the, it's uh, football has always thrown up that attachment to it but again I it will does. echo them words that I do know many of them and the ones that I know are some of the nicest people you yeah. could ever wish to meet it's yeah. just that it's just the way they see things. So too. yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Excellent. Yeah, but football fans, you yeah, know, in general, yeah, it's um well they will what make football isn't it, especially in the grounds of course.
1: Without the fans it is nothing really, if we're absolutely because when you see a goal scored and the fans celebrating, when there's yeah. a goal scored and you don't see the fans celebrating, it ain't the same. And and I do think that you know it's it's always been involved in football. It always will be involved in football. And I think that if you do go to football, it is unfortunately a side product, and um, that that you have to kind it's, of
2: and you lose. And I love that because yeah. going back to that book I mentioned, the one that I've been reading, the history of football. We lose every week. Yeah. You know, you kind of you're joking at yourself, aren't you? And nothing yeah, else. Another thing you can't take it too seriously. We lose every week. We carry on. But I think it was things like. Um, I remember actually reading back in the book where uh, it was some Bobby Robson just saying, uh, what's a club in any case without the fans, etc.? Mm. The noise, the passion, you know, the feeling of belonging, is it? The ride yeah. being part of your city and yeah, yeah. all things like that. Football's people, life is people. And yeah, it's all connected.
1: Absolutely. And we're all different. <clears throat> and some of us take that tribalism <clears throat> to the extreme and some of yep. us don't and, and that's just the way that it is with football but um, yeah pick the bones out of that kids because you're never going <laughs> to <laughs>
2: Absolutely Excellent
1: What else have you read Mike? Uh
2: Well uh, today the main ones I've read um, this, uh, this month
1: um,
2: I think I'll just touch on the, on my newsletter so thanks for mentioning that earlier um, I'd send one out on um, the 1st of every month, so there won't be coming out on 1st of February, but the one um, going back to 1st of February, I, I picked out three <coughs> recommended books there. Uh, and one of them I'll mention is by John Nipton, Uh and it's called Can We Have Our Football Back? Uh, and John Nicholson is um, a well-known writer. He's, he's won a number of awards, long-listed Right of the year and he writes the award winning website Football 365 really? uh, and this book yeah it's brilliant can we, can we have a football but I've got my own signed copy from John actually um, and um, yeah, and it sums up probably a lot of what we just touched on actually a lot of what people think of the way of Premier League now uh, and how it's affected football the greed the money probably the lack of uh, competition the focus on the word product as well yeah. you know and I, just gripes on you doesn't want to say that you know it's a product now it's a business and all that it's it's just shows how it's changed but this is a brilliant book and he talks about and what he he is very clear saying in the outset because you you start reading if you just like flick through it and maybe read Farfrey through the book and then to the end you'd think he hates football but he's not at all he loves football Mm. Uh, you know he's passionate about it and his passion starts back from the 1960s if he writes you know early in in the book Um, but yeah, it's how things have changed. But it's wide ranging. It covers a number of, of myths, really, basically, um, in terms of. Um, but also, touch touched on things like gambling, how that's come into the game, yeah. and things like that. Or some of the things that's, uh, yeah, not um, quite how you'd want them to be, really. And just how it's payments. changed over time. It's
1: illegal payments, is that
2: in? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean yeah, that went back exactly. to the fifties, yeah, <laughs> probably yeah, the forties the, and the thirties, yeah. 20s.
3: <laughs> Again,
1: it's always been there. I mean, we do we do kind of we're shocked in about the behaviour <laughs> of certain people in the game, but it's yeah. always gone on. There's always been a type of hooliganism, a type yeah. of attachment, a type of tribalism, a type of gambling, illegal payments. I've done a lovely, too good to be forgotten with um, Colin Malham, who uh, wrote the Len Shackleton story, the Clown Prince of Soccer, Len's biography. And also, when I'd done a podcast with uh, Neil Palmer uh, about Trevor Ford, um, Mm. he was telling me how Sunderland used to pay those players, and Trevor put in his autobiography, he mentioned it, and he got a ban uh, from playing in this country, (laughs) and that to go and play elsewhere for uh, towards the end of his career but the uh, Sunderland director would take them for a game of snooker are you any good no do you want to have a we'll put 20 quid on this game and the player always won of course and that's how they illegally paid and and it's always gone on and and it always will go on my old man used to tell me about when he used to play football and they'd stick some money in your boots you know, so, yeah. you know. Again, it's all. I don't know why we really are shocked. I think it's we got to watch the extremes. But you know, getting our game yeah, back. I think... I'd love to, have it. I wrote a poem. Give the working man back his simple game. Football has changed through the years, but again, yeah. you could argue that it's progression and it's just gone. It's gone too far from the age of the Jimmy uh, Jimmy Ill and uh, George Eastham and Trevor Ford and players like that, that were looking absolutely. to get rid of the maximum wage, it's probably gone a little bit too far, and it needs to be pushed back a little bit, so, you know, I've yeah. never got a problem, as long as the fans are not outpriced, and that's been my problem, that fans yeah. have been outpriced, so, you yeah, know, absolutely. I'm not bothered about and- money in the games, make sure the fans are looked after.
2: Yeah, and this is what it talks it's the extremes, this is what the talk yeah, yeah. this book talk talks about. Can we have a football battle? It's talking about the extremes of the the money. And it talks actually at the back says what what do we want now? He's putting some recommendations here like about the introducing possibly you know, his maximum player wage per year. Um it does say about games mm-hmm. putting games back on BBC one, I T V, etc., and I, I, you know, it just didn't, it's just never going to happen, is it, with no. Sky etc. But no. you know, when you watch the FA Cup, what for a few weeks back etc. How brilliant was that? You know, you can watch all the games on BBC, on ITV etc. And uh, yeah, obviously you obviously don't, you don't get up. Some people don't can't afford Sky, can't afford the. How many, how many is there actually? I forget now. I've got all of them. they have got Sky, BT, Amazon etc. And all subscription paying, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. But this is what this book talks about. now. it's just that extreme where it's gone on the focus of money uh, and the words like product, etc. Uh, and uh, but you can't fault the players as you, yeah, you really. Know, Someone's going to give you. I know someone wants to give me two hundred grand a week. I'd say yes. So uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Were you taking a pay cut.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had to, to take a call, yeah. You look just at go back stubborn, a little
1: bit. Yeah, you look at some of the players now at the top <laughs> level in the game and you, you, you're looking absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you're almost looking yeah. at, for some of them, a million pounds a week. I mean, it, it I just has gone to the extreme. And as yeah. it would be nice if we could just push back a little bit and um, make sure that the supporters are looked after. But again, supporters, unfortunately, seem to be a byproduct <laughs> of football rather than the most yeah. important people in football these days. On the last podcast, you did mention about a book, uh, Jack and Bobby, um, coming out. And I did say, I'm almost certain that I've got one in my library. And I've dug it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Leo Leo McKinstry. I'm not too sure if you're aware of that writer. I didn't realise it, but i got two of his books. You know what I'm like with books. I buy these books and I rarely read them, but I do have them because I just love football books. I'm like (laughs) a kid in a sweet shop with football books. And it's um, um, it's called Jack and Bobby, A Story of Brothers in Conflict.
2: That weird is that you mentioned that, because when we were talking last week, you mentioned it. Mm. And I thought, oh, I've got to dig that one out then. If that rings a bell. And I did look into it. Yeah, and there is. Yeah, I've, I've not read it myself. It came back, I think mean, it was, came out a number of years ago, didn't it? it? Is, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did find it actually after we spoke. So, uh, yeah, uh, Leo, Mac- Leo, Leo McKinstry. McKinstry, that's McKinstry
1: it. yeah. Uh, first yeah. published in paperback in 2003. First published ah, oh, in yeah. hardback um, by Collins Willow, an imprint of. HarperCollins Publishers in London in 2002. So, yeah, 20 years ago it was first published. That's um,
2: it's a biography of them, too. It's not an autobiography anyway, is it? I think it's a biography. No, I would imagine biography. it's
1: a biography, yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Leo McKinstry is a journalist and author. He writes regularly for the Daily Mail, Sunday Telegraph, and Spectator magazine on a wide range of subjects. He also published several books, including an acclaimed biography of Jeff Boycott. Uh, born in right. Belfast in 1962, he's married and lives in Essex. So 62, he's only two years older than me. Uh, excellent. Yeah? That, um, so that makes him me. old. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the Charlton brothers—they uh, have that unique place, don't they, in history of football? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jack and Bobby, know this, so uh, what they went on to achieve and, in different ways as well, didn't they? they? Took kind of different paths a little bit. When you think of what Jack went on to do, I did you saw that documentary last year, the year before. um oh, it was a brilliant documentary, Fonding and Jack. I can't think that's it, finding Fond, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. wonderful. I can remember now. I don't mind telling everyone I was in. I felt I was in tears mm. parts of that. Um, you know, just thinking in dementia, my dad um, suffered dementia, et cetera, and all that, and just watching someone change, you know, et And mm. But what a life they led, you know, incredible, isn't it? And obviously Bobby's working for that now, isn't he, sadly? Yeah,
1: cetera, I mean, I right? don't so, know anything about Bobby, but no. I know quite a lot about Jack through, yeah, through yeah. Terry Curran, Terry played for Jack at Shepherd Wendy. Yeah, And course. some of the stories that he tells about Jack, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, he didn't like Jack's philosophy in the game, but Jack's an absolute top bloke. I mean, he'd yeah. he'd, he'd row with with the best of them, Jack. And yeah. uh, in fact, I'm doing I'm doing a um, a podcast, a uh, uh, '70s legends pop uh, podcast, with the great Johnny Giles. Um, oh, Yeah, and Steve fun. Perryman as well over the next couple of three months. So I've been researching a little bit about Johnny, and there was a tremendous um. Interview in Backpass Pass magazine of uh, yeah. Johnny Giles in two parts, and he was talking there about Jack, and uh, they used to row a little bit him and uh, him and Jack, and, <laughs> and and Jack was setting his ways, shall we say, and liked yeah. to do things his way, and uh, Johnny yeah. said. You know, Bobby wouldn't get in your bleeding team, and Jack said he would do if so he, did, he did as he's told. <laughs> I
3: think Brilliant. that's
1: always been Jack, but he would row and argue with TC. It'd almost come to blows, but he'd always <laughs> go and, uh, come on, TC, let's go and have a game of snooker. Or we'll going and have well, a So that was yeah. always Jack. He would never, uh, a man's man, as we would say yeah. in old money, and a top man as well. And, yeah. uh, I can't really speak about Bobby because I don't, know anybody that that played for or, or knows Bobby Charlton very well but Jack what an absolute legend diamond and a man yeah. that he's sorely missed by the game by his family Definitely. and by yeah. everybody in football yeah his
2: autobiography is a really good read as well Jack's, Jack Charlton's a uh, f- few years back I think it might have been re- um, republished I think it was or yeah. updated fairly recently but uh, yeah what a story so uh, what a player at Leeds of course uh, the bulk of his career one and you ask anyone from Ireland what they think of Jack Charlton absolutely loved isn't he well he wasn't at first of course really, you know that kind of connection the English and what have you but my word did he didn't half win him over didn't he
1: over well, the, the Ar- years yeah the Irish uh, don't particularly like the English and the mm. English don't particularly like the Irish <laughs> in some quarters we was in Dublin a few years ago and I was mm. sitting in an Irish bar, because uh, mm. we was in Temple Bar, and there was oh, lots yeah. of... That's cheap. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and there's lots of, like, O'Neill's and kind of the Irish pubs that are English, and there was one spit and sawdust bar, and I said to the wife, come on, we'll go and have a pint of Guinness in a proper Irish bar. Anyhow, yeah. this Irish fella jumps on the table, cut a long story short, he says, where are you from, what are you doing here? Get out of my pub. (laughs) And yeah, so it was. It was uh, pretty much like that. But you know, Jack, I'm sure had situations like that. But then, when you realise what a fantastic person uh, that that, that you are, in terms of Jack, the Irish public absolutely loved adored and cherished him. And it was, uh, it was a match made in heaven, wasn't it? It
2: was. It was. But linking that though, if you're talking about managers, the one I recommended in the newsletter. There's a book called Living on the Volcano.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, this is called, it's, it's subtitled, The Secrets of Surviving as a Football Manager. Uh, it's written by uh, Malcolm uh, Michael Calvin, who for me is, he's, he's right up there in terms of football writing. You know, he's absolutely at the very top. In fact, um, there was a guy called Johnny Brick that recently um, did a football, uh, did a review uh, of his most recent book recently, and he shared it with me, and I shared it on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said about uh, Michael Calvin, the writer of this book, that he's a national treasure, and I'll say that as well. But this is a yeah, living on the volcano, and it's about football management, uh, and it's a brilliant, brilliant read. Uh, and it talks about the the um, the tribulations of being a football manager. Really, there's some brilliant stories in there. It goes goes from um, the the actual uh, forwards by Arsene Wenger. Okay. Um, but he covers managers the likes of Brendan Rodgers, who comes across really well in the book, actually, Brendan Rodgers as well, actually. Uh, in fact, there's it's a little bit here that uh, I picked out and where Brendan Rodgers was talking about um, when he, um, I think he got sacked, I think it was at Reading, um, but he talks about it here, I'm reading this out, this is his words, uh, Brendan Rodgers, I was sacked in the December, mum died, she died quickly on the f- February the 3rd. Uh, they knocked me for six. And for three months, um, I was the peer of the family. Uh, oldest of five boys. I could see my brother's suffering. Uh, got up again and uh, represented him. And he got a job then at Swansea. And then his father passed away. Uh, he was young as well. So you think that Brandon Rogers, um, he's had tough times. you know, And that was during you know his managerial career. But what a, you know, he's had great success, obviously, in Liverpool and uh, is at Celtic? What was it just as well? I never knew he was a Celtic fan as well as a Shepherd Wednesday fan, uh, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about. So, uh, Brendan was a
1: Shepherd
2: um, Wednesday fan? Yeah, he was a Shepherd Wednesday fan for, right. for some time, yeah. So, uh, uh, he, yeah, because he was following obviously um, Northern Ireland, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so he followed Celtic, but he also had a soft spot for Shepherd Wednesday of all teams. But I he talked about the Brendan. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where i come from. So uh, I'm sure i read that. It's not in this book, sorry, by the way, about Shepherd Wednesday. I've read it somewhere, and I'm, I'm sure I'm right. So it sticks in my head. I heard him say on, maybe on Talks Sport, but it was definitely Shepherd Wednesday. Uh, it's something you yeah, can sack as your reaction. I thought, I'm not. Where's, where's <laughs> exactly, that come from? Yeah. So, um, but no, he he, he he. that's just one of the examples in this book. So he talks about the, the highs and lows of football management, and it's not just the likes of Brendan Rodgers. This also covers you know, your managers down at the lower leagues, etc. It's a great one in here with um, uh, Ian Holloway as well. So yeah. uh, he's, as you know, he's quite a character, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it talks about him when he got, I think he was sacked at uh, Millwall. Uh, in fact, there's another line here, brilliant interviews in here. And he says, uh, this is Ian Holloway, he says, I'm a very emotional person. I have been all my life. Uh, I'm much like my mum. Uh, she'll cry a kitten not having a drink it's unbelievable. You just you got great lines, Holloway. Uh, but again, it's just um, the life and size of football uh, managers, and uh, there's a lot being talked about mental health, etc. In the moment, and you really, when you read things like this, you're like, you know they they obviously enjoy the game, don't they? But it is literally a 24/7 job when you take on the football manager, and you take all the abuse, don't you? You get the massive highs, and you you're lauded, aren't you? And your team's doing well, but when they're doing wrong. You can't need that car park, can you? So uh, and there's things like that in here. But really brilliant read. Living on living on the volcano. It's been out for a number of years now, but uh, yeah, highly recommend um that one from Michael Calvin, who's done a number of good books over the years. Really
1: Beans is we're in the ballpark of the managers. Um mm-hmm. we've got a couple of well, three books here. Of the England managers of, of my time in the seventies. Yeah. Which is the era that I'm still. If I was Doctor Who and I'd gain the Tardis, I'd go back to the seventies and stay in the seventies.
3: Don't blame You because know, yeah. I think the
1: football was at its best in the seventies. Um, yeah. Sir Alf Ramsey, an outstanding biography by again Leo McKinstry. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, boy, I ain't read it. But a book. <laughs> I mean, God, it's a thick book. It must have about six hundred. Well, five hundred, just over five hundred pages. So oh, yeah, wow. and then. Uh, Don Revie, the biography by Christopher Evans, published by Bloomsbury. Again, I haven't read it, but I've got it. uh, Because I like to buy these things for research as well, so when I'm doing podcasts, etc., I can dip into certain chapters. Well, that only came out
2: very recently, didn't it, Don Revie's book? Yeah,
1: yeah. And the trilogy of England managers of the 70s. Uh, Ron Greenwood by Mike Myers, a biography of football's forgotten manager. And I remember Udi telling me about Ron Greenwood. He phoned him up while he was in Boots, not the chemist, but the uh, Duke of Wellington (laughs) pub in London on a Sunday night, (laughs) and says, "Uh, can you play against Brazil Wednesday? And uh, Udi said, I've been pissed for three days. You've got no chance, Ron. (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) And he won in the
1: best of form at Arsenal, so he declined it. But, you know, the fact of an England manager phoning up yeah. a player can you play against Brazil Wednesday night on a Sunday evening is uh, quite extraordinary isn't it so yeah a lovely trilogy of of English managers of the 70s I have to say I didn't rate any of them but they were the England managers so I do yep. like to buy these books to have a read yeah Rob Greenwood
2: he he took over obviously late 70s, was 77 77. Up yeah, the late seventies, in it? Seventy seven off the top there, then took him U- U- to the
1: nine
2: uh, ninety that's it, and took him to the 1982 World Cup where we didn't lose again, uh England did we? So U- um, there, yeah. but um but no, he was obviously famed for uh, he was successful at West Ham, wasn't he? Uh in his club days. Yeah. So club management days I mean, but um never reached quite the highs did he? Um, I think they wanted
1: a safe pair of hands. We often yeah. hear that phrase bandied yeah. around in football. I think after they Don Reavy, clothes. yeah, I think <laughs> after Don Reavy had left, and um, yeah. as it was printed, um, walked out on England and took the Arabs' money, but uh, yeah. that was a little bit harsh. I mean, I'm no great Revy fan. As England manager, I think as Leeds United manager, I think Don wow, Reavy assembled the greatest football team that I've ever seen, British football team, in my lifetime. Um, But as an England manager, I don't know where it really went wrong. I think what he tried to do is because Leeds were a family, I think he tried to get England as a family. So where they play carpet bowls and bingo with Leeds United and do the karaoke singing and that, Alan Hudson, Charlie George, Frank Worthington, Stan Bowles, Alan Ball, all that kind of Maverick players, Tony Curry wasn't going to have any of that. They wanted to do their own thing. So I think that he he didn't set off on the right track. He did keep changing the team. I think he had that many players. I don't think he Mm. knew really what team to pick or what system to pick. And at the end of the day, he almost ate himself.
2: I think some managers maybe first of all it would maybe just suit club management yeah. like Don Revie. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, you know, and like you said, the, the the players it was like a family, wasn't it? Yeah, so well, but he'd see like... them on a he'd seen them on a day to day basis, they don't go any international. And Brian Clough yeah. obviously when he went there for the, the infamous forty four days, he said that. There was a there was it was everywhere, wasn't it? Don Revie, He could feel it when he walked in, it was still his team etc. Yeah. Exactly. And he couldn't he couldn't uh, replace him. Well uh Yeah, as you're famous in that interview afterwards when uh, Brian Clough got sacked and they both in the studio, weren't they?
1: Well, Clough's biggest problem was that mm. Leeds United in those days uh, arrived Mm -hmm. back for pre-season training a week before everybody else and Cloughy was still Mm. on holiday. Um, I think there was a couple of days went by before he never actually spoke to the players. (laughs) And then he famously had that meeting with them when they, I think Billy had had called a, a, a meeting to introduce yeah, each other. Even, uh, yeah, and he went round to a man, and you're a dirty bastard, and you're a dirty but you're, and they, You see that bin, get all your medals and stick it in that bin because yeah. you've cheated your way. And that certainly didn't endear him to the Leeds players. I no. said to Alan Clark, because I'd done a lovely podcast with Alan a couple of years ago, and I asked him about that. And, and mm. I said, if I was Brian, I would have said, look, OK, Ali Barley, what's been said has been said. Let's draw a line under it. You are... Mm. the greatest team that I've ever seen and I haven't liked some of the things that I've seen you do but you know that was under the, the last gaffer things are going yeah. to change a little bit now but you are the greatest team in England and you are the league champions Alan Clark said he did say that but it was too late and the damage <laughs> had been done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, no, and, and Clark he said right manager but the wrong time and that, yeah, that. team was all getting old together and it yeah. did need replacing. And I think that had they have been in their mid-20s rather than late-20s or early-20s, I don't think Don would have left. I think he'd have probably stayed there because he was still yeah. building and he wanted a pop at the European Cup, which they actually, Leeds United, were cheated out of in 1975. They're also mm. cheated out of the Cup Winners' Cup. In 1973. So when we when people do bandish around this dirty Leeds tag, and Johnny Giles yeah. was the silent assassin and he was dirty, Johnny Giles yeah. had uh, two really bad injuries from uh, Johnny Watts of Birmingham City and Eddie McCready of Chelsea. And football actually made Johnny Giles mm. the player that he was. Johnny didn't make himself that way. So, you know, there was yeah. a lot of, you know, Leeds... Leeds, again, are a product of the times that Leeds played in. So yeah, I don't yeah. think... Although history will always say dirty Leeds. And yes, of course, they they were a little bit... And they were a little bit... Well, but, they were in the second division rather than the first division. And I didn't realise when they come up um, in 1964-65 season, which was their first mm. season back, they come mm. second in the league and lost the FA Cup final to Liverpool after extra time. And Don Reeve yeah. did say, and, and and would still stand by uh, that statement if he was alive today, that his greatest signing was uh, Bobby Collins. And there's a lovely book of Bobby Collins I've just purchased, The Wee Barra, uh, by David, oh, Bichette, David Safer, who also wrote Sniffers' book, The Life and Times of Alan Clark, with Alan... He's wrote Excellent. a lot of the biographies, autobiographies of uh, the yeah, great Leeds of players of the 70s. So, yeah, I'd never heard of David, but um, I have now. I no, yeah, he's got a few
2: Leeds books. Yeah, he's yeah, done the on Unsung yeah. Heroes. I remember of them. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. A yeah, very good. Yeah, doing... a, a book on Levy hasn't wrote, I just want to briefly mention this, um, hmm. a story of sock tags and self-belief. Paul the Beaver, Travillian, as told by Neil Jeffries, forward by Sniffer. And it tells the story of Leeds United in 1972, which is lovely because it is the 150th year of the FA Cup and they won the FA Cup in 1972. And the sock tags, etc., come out in March in uh, 1972 against Tottenham, which just coincidentally is Paul Trevelyan's team, not Leeds United. And I didn't realise what an absolute pioneer Paul Trevelyan yeah. is until I did a podcast with Alan Clark and Sniffer was telling me all about his great mate, Paul Trevelyan.
2: Excellent. Now, I heard you talking about it on your recent um, yeah, podcast with Terry, Terry yeah. Curran, and uh, you talk, I must have looked into him a little bit. Yeah, because he's a Tottenham fan, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, very claimed artist, isn't he?
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, Oh, he's drawn everybody. Incredible!
2: Incredible! Yeah, it's one of those. I've seen his drawings uh, after
1: after I heard you. I looked it. Oh, yes, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, you are the ref as well. Yeah, that's Paul
1: Trevillion. You are the ref.
2: Excellent. Yeah, that'll come out. Two years back, didn't it? It used, it used to be shoot
1: magazine, didn't it? You are the rest. Yeah.
2: That's you know, it. Mate,
1: that's it. It's um, you know, i I've I've known of Paul for years and years and I've heard him on Talk Sport as well. Yeah. Um Sean Caden a, a Facebook friend of mine has always mentioned and messaged and said, do You wanna do an interview with um with uh, with Paul Trevelyan? We'll sort it out for you, mate. and I am doing a podcast that's with Paul. We have been interacting and He's just waiting for a couple of dates because with the book being launched, there's a number of... I know he's doing Steve Perryman's podcast I was watching Steve's brilliant podcast, every, uh, every fortnight, and Paul's yeah. going to be guest on there, and I know he's got some book signings at Leeds, so I said, when you're all sorted, mate, and you've done it all, I'll do a nice little it podcast, we'll sit down, over a glass of wine, and we'll talk about the great Leeds United well, team. I'll, well.
2: I'll give that a shout out as well, the beaver, isn't it? So again, mm-hmm. I heard you on the uh, I heard you on the podcast, and it wasn't a book I was aware of, I must admit, so it came out. Uh, just last month. So, uh, yeah, you have, suddenly you, you do have a full of the books that come out, and some of them I just missed for yeah. whatever reason. But uh, no, it looks fascinating. So, yeah, a story of sock tags and Self
1: belief. I love Absolutely. that subtitle. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. he just done so many <laughs> instrumental things. Really, you know, it was his idea to put the names of the players on the tracksuit. Um, on the tracksuit tops. Uh, yeah, talks. I don't know he, it was his um, idea to do the, you know, the warm ups before the before the 1972 FA Cup final. Alan Clark was telling me all <laughs> about that because I played Birmingham City. I said, oh, by the way, thanks for that, Alan. Smashing the hell out of my boys and ruining my uh, <laughs> my, my cousin's yeah. wedding, actually, on the 15th of April, 1972. One of my earliest <laughs> football memories. Running out the church to see how Birmingham were getting on, and 3-0. <laughs> oh, right.
2: <laughs> Excellent. No, uh, brilliant. Well, um, uh, what was I just thinking of then? Well, when, um, when I think back to 1972, because obviously Don Reddit's great days, wasn't it? Yeah. uh I've asked the ch- Jackson Tops you were talking about. Oh, yeah. they're, they're iconic, aren't they? I can yeah. picture that now, kind of thing. then even think back to the the film uh, The Damned United. Don't Brian talk Clough, about that, that's 40 all 40 wrong. Well,
1: I know, I know. That, yeah. You ask Johnny uh, no, Jones I'm, about that, because I'm, I'm actually not going to ask Johnny about
2: great, that. It's a great, great actor he is, Gene, um, but no, I mean, even Barbara Clough, I remember famously said uh, about that film, how much she disdained it, because of yeah. course, yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, well, vast majority of it was made up. But uh, no, I was just thinking, even in that film, there, you could see Jarlson with that tracksuit top on, didn't it? Yeah. But obviously, that's all come out from Paul Trevelyan, then. He came up with that. Absolutely. That idea. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. But how can you do a film, make a film, produce a film, oh, yes.
3: have that's the film that, yeah. come out
1: of the TV set where it's got The Damned United and yeah. there's a book that, that, that was written. David and Peace. The, yeah. yeah. And you look yeah. and you go, it's. It's a fictional film based on fact. Hey, How, we, how we, does yeah. that even start to work? It's either fiction Absolutely. or it's fact. You it can't be yeah. based on fact. And you go, well, how much? It's like a sausage, isn't it? You know, you yeah. go, well, how much meat in a sausage? If you're going to buy sausages, buy pork sausage. Because if you <laughs> buy pork sausage, there's more meat in a pork sausage than just a sausage. <laughs> I like, think the main
2: yeah, um, the main the main bit from that, of that film, I and mean, again uh, Brian's um, late wife isn't it, She uh, said about because it's quite a focus on drinking as well. He he wasn't a big drinker then. Uh, he certainly he was obviously his late yeah. life Brian, but not then, you know. And the focus on that was just yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Terry yeah. Curran played for mm. Brian after obviously the the derby situation yeah, yeah. there course, yeah. after yeah, Leeds United. Terry Curran. While he was with Brian, never seen Brian touch a drop. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And and yeah, and, me, yeah. and it was just embellished. It's absolute as Johnny Giles have put, us reading a Brilliant interview um in, yeah. in Backpass magazine. Absolute bullshit. And, um, yeah. and and I do think that the the problem I have with these things is some people watch it and think that it's a documentary. <sighs> And they, yeah. they hang on. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what yeah. Brian Clough was like. That's what Giles and Bremner and, and all the Leeds teams. And, and and Johnny Giles said, we didn't get out of the baseball ground and walk. We'd have had our heads kicked in if we'd have done that back in the 70s. <laughs> I
2: know, it's amazing, isn't it? But yeah. some people will believe it, won't they? And They've never heard the us problem. talking or anything like oh, it's here's the problem. Yeah, but some people in the younger generations think the Premier League invented in football as well, don't they? So, yeah, uh, do, there yes. you go.
1: Again, another problem <laughs> I have. Football was invented, yeah. the first football
2: leagues, in 1888, well, not 1992. How many times I hear on Sky Sports to keep saying uh, he's the highest goal scorer yeah. now in Premier League history. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah. History, Premier League's history is 30 years. Yeah. Is, it, is it 30 years now? Yeah, 30, years. It's, yeah, not, 30 uh, years. it's not a hell of a long time, really, in the grand scheme of things. Our football football has been going in the, well, it's the 150th year of the FA Cup. Absolutely, yeah. Let alone. So but yeah, no, I agree but sort so of damn it was me who brought that up uh, at Trevidam United, wasn't it? So uh, apologies. But no, no I, but the beaver No <laughs> that Beaver I will uh give Alan mention of the Beaver mm-hmm. book, so uh, yeah, definitely. And I noticed give, the forwards by Alan Clark as well, isn't it? The yeah, sniffer.
1: Yeah, sniffer. Yeah. And let's give a shout out to um, when <clears> Saturday <throat> comes. I I do like that magazine. I subscribe yeah. to the magazine. And I'm also a Patreon as well. I like to listen to the boys uh talk football. I think it's yeah it's different. They're very, very clever, aren't they? Uh, there's was it, Andy Lyons, Harry Pearson and yeah. who's that other fella that wrote the knowledge not not Nodge who wrote the hard yards. I'm gonna yeah. get to the podcast here. It's Andy Lyons who's the editor that's it, Daniel Gray, that's the fella that I was Daniel playing. Gray, Daniel that's not yeah. he? and he's the author and oh, presenter brilliant. and Harry Pearson is the, uh, the columnist and it is a really, really intelligent podcast it's one of them that you, you can have in the background and you listen to it and my yeah. ears pricked up when they were talking about Aston Villa in 19, 1890 were the mm. um, baseball British baseball champions of uh, well the, the, the Britain. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. So oh, they, yeah. I, mean, I didn't realise I played baseball at Villa Park. And, no, and, I didn't. No, I, I knew they did the baseball ground, hence the baseball ground. Baseball was played there before football. And, and yeah. there's, a, there's a book about the baseball ground, isn't there? And we were we were talking with um um Steve Bloomer, who played for Derby. Yeah. Came to get both football and he played baseball for Derby as well. So you know when I listen to little things like that, and well, what an educational podcast. So well done uh, when Saturday comes. And on the back there's really. a brilliant um brilliant. Advert of pitch publishing, super. Yeah. All the books that Pitch is oh, yeah. bringing out. Oh, I mean, with, so with Daniel
2: many. Gray, just he's one of my all-time favorite authors. I think I've, I'm sure I've mentioned him on our yeah, podcast yeah. before. He's got a trilogy of little books, and they're all about the modern delights of football. It's brilliant, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have mentioned it absolutely. Uh, the, what I actually shared one of them recently called Saturday three PM and it's all these yeah. little, little yeah. little stories yeah. about um, the things you just remember about football and it's yeah, it's, he's a very talented guy. He's on Talk Sport every now and again, I'm sure I heard him on Johnny Owens programme.
1: Great program.
2: Uh on the sub yeah, which is another great one on a Sunday morning a few weeks back. I think it was just after the Middlesbrough had beaten Manchester United in the FA Cup. Okay. And uh, he was on his way to another game, uh, a non-league or lower league game, on that day. But uh, no, he's no. Uh, when Saturday comes, brilliant, really good,
1: superb. Really and that good is my that is my favourite a show on TalkSport as well, by the way. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Owen and friends, um, Mark Webster. I think it's a tremendous yeah. couple of hours of, of football talk and uh, have guests on there. I just think it's everything that a football show should be on radio. Sadly, Definitely. most don't produce programmes of that high quality and a lot okay. of it is absolute turgid rubbish that I listen to (laughs) although I do like to listen to Jim White and Simon Jordan I do like to listen to Simon I think he always nails it Um, he does doesn't he he very much does know his
2: stuff he definitely knows his stuff Simon Jordan and again linking it back to books his book's really good Simon Jordan's book uh, which came out some years back um, whose name completes, oh, that's it, be careful what you wish for. That's right. Uh, was his book. And that's a really, really good read because obviously he's been there, he's done it, he yeah. knows what it's like mm. to own a club. So he does a deep talk. How many times you hear them, you know, on well, Talk Sports, well, if I'm yeah. honest, some of them don't know anything about football, they talk as if they know it all. At least Simon Jordan, yeah, he's talking from somewhere, he's done it, he's been there, he's done that a little bit. Yeah, he's got his own opinions, kind of in. but he at least debates it on on facts and also it's his opinion, isn't it? So uh, everyone's got an opinion. It doesn't have to necessarily you have to agree with it, do you? But um, there you go. Well,
1: that's it's what opinion. football's all about. It is a game of opinions yeah. and he's not frightened to voice that opinion. He'll agree with people. He'll disagree. Yeah. The one thing I'll always say about Simon is that he's always fair. He's honest. It's his opinion. I think so. And, and yeah. he listens to other people and, and he, he will change his opinion, which is a, a sign of somebody that's intelligent because you have opinions. And then if somebody yeah. can advance a, an informed uh, debate that, that's yeah. got a bit more meat to um, some discussion and you listen and you go, do you know what? I never thought about it like that. I'm, I've changed my well, opinion slightly. That's got to be yeah. good and refreshing. Well,
2: he'd become a millionaire at the age of 32. He must know yeah, something yeah, yeah. to uh, to... He did, yeah. That's a, yeah. He made a fortune of building a phone company, from scratch? Yeah. So yeah before um, yeah, he sold Crystal Palace, he was, was,
1: was a pro footballer, wasn't
2: he? Yeah, I say, yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no, a really great book, that one, as well, uh, Simon Jordan's.
1: And let's definitely. give it while we're talking football magazines as well World hmm. Soccer and uh, and 442. I do like to buy these magazines. I rarely read them all, but I do <laughs> like to buy them and have a look and see what's going on. But um, yeah, pitch Publishing, some fantastic um, titles coming out uh, this year in 2022. Uh, yeah. Life the life with Robbins and Beyond, Jeff Merrick. That's, uh, I believe there's a, a book signing, as we're speaking now, in the Bristol area, and that was um, uh, Neil Palmer, that, uh, that yeah. wrote that there's a lovely book about Don Howe coming out uh, shortly Another the cup which looks like yeah. another commemorative FA Cup 150 years Eddie Hapgood uh, footballer the Busby, the last Busby Babe uh, Sammy McElroy Foss yep. and Luffs which is one that you've spoken about Goodies in yes. memory yes. Scottish League Cup I didn't realise Archie Gemmell was the first substitute uh, in Scotland in
2: 1966.
1: Oh, was he? Right. Yeah, 65-66 okay. cool. season. It was uh, Keith Peacock. But uh, but Archie made his... Uh, yeah, he come on a substitute, which he was the first. And that was in the Scottish League Cup. We have spoken on podcasts before. There's not one about the English League Cup, a book. And there's not there's the no. one about Scotland, but not one of... I'd love one of England in the seventies because we played a hundred games. I'd love somebody yeah. to write that book. I'm sure
2: someone. Uh, when they, I'm sure someone out there heard us last time, Gabby, and uh, we should have get some royalties, I think, from that if someone starts to write it as well. So, uh, <laughs> but no, someone should do because uh, again, the Football League Cup was lots of uh, great stories, isn't it? Oh, there. absolutely. Um, yeah, but much like the FA Cup, really, in many ways. So.
1: So, a new biography yeah. on peter doherty which is i've actually ordered um <coughs> his autobiography nineteen forty seven it was written I didn't realise how brilliant a football player he was until I start talking and looking at bits and mm. pieces and I get lots of information from, from YouTube, really. I watch people <laughs> talk, you know, not made-up stuff, but real stuff by people that were there at the Times or people that have wrote books about them. It saves me yeah. reading them. And, and of course, Bill Shankly, when he walked into the Stoke City dressing room in 1975, Easter Monday, 1975, and said to Alan Hudson, I didn't think I'd ever see a performance that surpassed that of Peter Doherty, but you've just done it, son. And that leads Brilliant. us nicely to the year we nearly won the league. Stoke City in the 1974-75 season by Jonathan Baker, forward by Terry, Cur- or Terry Conroy. rather. And um, yeah. nice picture there on the front of Wad the God, and uh, Greenhoff and uh, Alan Hudson. I've got no idea. That was the um, might be the fourth goal against Man City. There, the uh, Woody celebrating he's jumping all over. Yeah, coming. jumping
3: up.
1: Yeah, yep. I've done a lovely podcast with that game of my life, which we talked about the season as a whole, as well as the Liverpool game on that Easter Monday when um, Tony Waddington got the pitch watered because he couldn't play. And <laughs> <laughs> the FBI uh, Brigade coming watered the pitch and uh, Woody played the game of his life, hence the um, Game of My Life podcast with Alan Hudson.
2: Excellent, excellent. There's a lot there's a quite a few new releases. You have touched on a few of there as well then. So uh, if you want me to, to touch on a couple more, um nice. but um they came out, um so there's uh, Losing My Spurs, uh this is a memoirs of a failed uh footballer, um whose name's got completely hopped on the head, someone potts. He'll come back to me in a minute. But he played alongside uh, Anthony Potts, that's it. He played alongside um Uh, Paul Gascoigne, Gary Lineker, is part of the Tottenham side that won the 1990 FA Youth Cup. And um, so it's um, subtitled The Gather, The Grief and the Glory, Memoirs of a Failed Footballer. So some some of these books, I've I've read a number of other books. Um, I've not read this one yet, but books like uh, The Boy Boy on the Shed. I know we've mentioned that um, recently. There's, There's books where there's footballers that have not had that successful career. Uh, as they could have or would have liked to have, and this is another one of them. And some of them are, uh, yeah, a really fascinating read. So that's uh, one that's come
0: out. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live, from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast free shipping. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well,
2: uh, Rise Together, uh, Coventry City under Mark Robbins. Yep. Um, so talks about when Mark Robbins returned there in and. 17, I think it was. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's doing a brilliant job now, isn't he? I think they're, I think they're mid-team. I think they're only about five points off playoff. Just, just dropping off. Yeah, list. just dropping off slightly. It's still very close, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but, um, yeah, and obviously going we'll to turn back to the Rico Arena, which is a, which is a nice little ground up in there. So it's a new ground. Um, there's an interesting bit where you've got the casino attached to it. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been but, to so Highfield got...
1: Road, but not Rico.
2: Yeah, that was, yeah, Highfield Road—that was um, fabulous little ground, wasn't it? But it reminded me of a baseball ground
3: yeah. actually
2: for some reason for Derby. Um, but the Rico Arena—it's one of these. Yeah, a lot of these arenas are very similar. The modern build, know, yeah, it's got a casino attached on it. Um, but uh, anyway, that's Rise uh, together, Mark Robbins, and um, by Alan Sloman. That's also come out by Pitch Publishing. Uh, a few others have come out by Pitch Publishing. Uh, one. That's titled interestingly, um Hope You Die Hope You Die of Cancer, uh, life in football. So yeah, um yeah. non yeah, so, yeah, that's it. So it's focused it's it's actually a footballer X, so it's one of these secret footballers. So it talks about oh. dust ups, bust ups and et cetera. So uh um, but yeah, it's a bit like, a, there was a book that came out a number of years ago, you probably heard of it, uh, called The Secret Footballer, yes. so it's a bit like that, so it's that kind of similar, but based on normally league football, so yeah, that's an, interesting, to see um, that one, so it just came out last month, um, there was uh, a couple others from pitch publishing, so uh, Europe's next powerhouse, this is based on Chelsea FC, the women's team, um, and uh, how they, well they're currently the, Super, uh, I think the women's Super League champions at the moment, uh, they are, and they're managed by Emma Hayes. Yeah. I've seen her a few times on uh, BBC and IT. She speaks really well, I find, Emma Hayes, if you know who I'm referring to. Um, and I uh, think she previously managed over in America before coming over to Chelsea. But, it's so, yeah. but that's um, based on Chelsea FC women, Europe's next powerhouse. Uh, a couple of others fit and proper people. Um, I recently shared uh, a book review of that particular one. Really interesting. It's based on the, it's a story of um. Uh, there was a, a, a particular gentleman that brought out um, something called Own AFC, where basically it promised that you could buy into a football club, basically. It was a, it was an app of some mm-hmm. sort. Uh, and I don't really know fully all about it. I've not read the book myself, but it sounds fascinating. But yeah, ONFC, and it was it was actually boosted by the likes of BBC, etc. Because basically you could invest, I think you could invest 49 pound or 99 pound to be associated to this club. Uh, but it was all it was all um, a spoof, pretty much, and absolutely incredible. Yeah, and these two these two guys that wrote this book, they're the ones that you know looked into it. Martin Callandine and James Cave. So Martin Callandine, he's wrote another book previously called The Ugly Game. I think it's the ugly game. Um, and, uh, yeah, they owned earth uh, what was happening. And basically it was uh, taking money off people, etc. It sounds a fascinating story. And just how they managed to get away with it, etc. So, uh, and people obviously bought into it. And what have you. So, fit and proper people, uh, that is. So, and uh, yeah, there's a book review you can see on my football books on our website. Uh, Eddie Hapgood, I think you mentioned that, actually, didn't yeah, you? So, that was, yeah, one that's yeah. come out. Yeah, uh, and then
1: wrote uh, me, his, daughter wrote, his daughter wrote that book. Yes, yeah.
2: yeah, that's it. And then Foss and Luffs, yeah, which I've mentioned before as well. So the the football rivalry um, from many years ago in Victorian times between Leicester uh, Foss, as they were known before they became Leicester City in 1919. I think they became Leicester City. And that was, um, yeah, Loughborough... FC the Lufts as they were called, which are no longer going. Well sorry, they are actually. They they still play, I think, in the Leicestershire I did a bit of research, they play in the Leicestershire Senior League, uh they do at the moment. So uh but I love these kind of stories. It's history of the rivalry um from back in all those years, uh, in the early nineteenth century, uh or twentieth century, sorry. Um and uh, a couple of others that came out recently was Rangers shirts. So this is a record of all the greatest collection of Rangers shirts for the years. There's a number of books like this that have come out recently. Uh, I think Arsenal have done one recently and Tottenham, etc. And I think, uh, I think Leeds have done one as well recently. It just shows how shirts have changed over the years. So there's, as you've ever seen on um, on Twitter, there's, I never realised how many people are so fanatical about football kits oh, God, and oh, collectors yeah. yes. of football kits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, it's incredible business. Incredible business in terms of memorabilia and the money to be made from that, really. So uh but yeah, that's a few books that's coming uh, that's already come out in January.
1: What was the last uh, football show at You bought. You, oh. Goodness. I bought Gunter Netzer's, uh, well, Gunter didn't wear it, but Gunter Netzer's yeah. Borussia Munch and Gladback shirt of the 70s. the last I
2: football shirt I bought. <laughs> I think I've
1: got uh, an England
2: nineteen ninety six nineteen sixty six one. I think I might have bought one of the old ones. so It was yeah. um, long sleeved uh, a few years back. I don't think I fit into it fits into anymore at the moment, but there you go. So it's, uh, it's a different story. But yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm liking this Vanilley Men. That's coming out shortly as well. Um, my eyes aren't as great as what they used to be, but <laughs> I don't think this print on on the uh, the back of uh, When Saturday Comes is that clear, if I'm honest. So yeah. apologies for not um, being able to read who wrote it, but the Neely men, and there's a picture of Puskus on the front, looks like Cruyff.
2: I know uh, you're in. Zico.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, it's
2: by Aidan Williams. Oh, yeah. okay. So, uh, yeah, I think it's connected to these Football Times. I think he is. Yeah, so, he is.
1: Uh, I'm sure he is. That's a name that's yeah. very familiar. And out of the blue as well. Um, yes. That uh, that book's coming out as well, or he's already out. Yeah, it's. I think you know,
2: it comes out. Uh, I think it comes out in either March or April. It's okay. written by Gary Facker. That's, uh, that's good. Right, yeah, yeah these Football Times. are did beautiful. Bridesmaids, uh, one of my favourite books from last year, yeah. and yeah, that's about um, out of the blue when Vilas Boros, remember him? He was dismissed the, the by Chelsea in uh, March 20, 2012 when he was replaced by uh, Matteo, wasn't it? Um, Mateo? Yeah, Mateo won the, uh,
1: he won the, uh, the uh, Champions League yeah. any for him, yeah
2: he took it on to then and uh, I think he got sacked though didn't he in the, November of the same yeah,
1: year they
2: don't tend to last long at Chelsea do they, to they uh, he did last long at Villarada did he for, a he was in no. there for about 20, 12 games as well actually
1: well in the so, Premier well, League you don't last that long if you don't keep winning <laughs> glorious yeah. um, glorious reinvention story of, uh, of Ajax that's one that's um, yeah. took my fancy and the Newcastle United book the great days of
2: 1904 to 19. Again, it's not the biggest. 1911. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: 1904
2: to 1911 by David Potter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, obviously it's a football mad city, isn't it? So, uh, but in the Magpies glory days of well over a hundred years ago, they were considered at that time the best team in the world. So, yeah, yeah they uh, won the, the English League three times yeah. in five years. Yeah. I think they the won the English Cup. Um, and several near misses as well, mm. and many of the players played for England and Scotland around that time. So yeah, it looks fascinating book.
1: I think there um, might be a book coming out. Aston Villa, the world's first uh, world champions as well, because they they were they were talked about as the greatest uh, club side in the world, wasn't they? Round about yeah. those days when uh, I think George Ramsey was the manager. They won six league mm. titles and I think six FA Cups as well yeah Here in ramsay's time so they were and newcastle of course yeah absolutely they they were the halcyon days of newcastle hopefully they'll be able to revisit those halcyon days with the uh the billions that the saudis are <laughs> going to throw at the again the project yeah. three goalkeepers and uh, seven goals as well yeah less than yeah. what's that
2: about yeah no I shared that recently on on, yeah. on the twitter page and uh and it's fair to say it got a lot of traction from Leicester fans, so it's obviously a very well-known game for Leicester City. But yeah, it's three goal. Three, um, get my words out. Yeah, three, three goalkeepers and seven goals, and yeah. it's about a particular game, uh, one of the most memorable matches in Leicester City history. It was a quarter final, FA Cup final against Sh- Shrewsbury Town. Really? And being sad as I do, I actually looked at it on YouTube. And it was quite a game, to say the least. Oh, really? So, basically, uh, yeah, you got so the one of the keepers, the Leicester keeper, got injured. Then he was replaced, I'm trying to remember the, I might get this wrong, but I think he was replaced by, because he only had one sub. Oh, did you have any subs at that time? I'm trying to remember, but the, the attacker went in goals, and I think he got injured, so he had to change another keeper. Uh, but, yeah, it was a fascinating game. Gary Lineker scored as well in that game, so... Uh,
1: but Gary yeah, Lineker let's just say it's... going goal. I vaguely remember Gary Lineker going in goal for That's... Leicester in some game.
2: Yeah, but not this. Don't, I don't think it was this particular no. game. It I don't remember when I saw it on the clip. So, yeah. um, but no, yeah, it's about that about that game. So uh, the fact that you can write a book about one particular match just shows anything, doesn't it? So, oh, uh, yes. but when I shared it yeah, on my Twitter page, everyone was like, "Oh, I remember that game. I went to that game, et cetera. It did look fascinating. It was it was a big crowd as well at Fulham Street. Um, yeah, so finished Leicester 5, Shrewsbury 2. I think shows. I think it was 2-2 two, two at halftime, or I think Shrewsbury might have gone 2-1 up as well. So, uh, But no, yeah, Leicester City's greatest ever match, that is. So uh, check it out on YouTube. if um, You're yeah, we'll yeah, a Leicester fan. I'll get
1: yeah. that book. Yeah. That, that looks interesting. I like to get books that are interesting because when I buy something, it's always like leading to something else or to inspire me. And uh, I was watching uh, Leatherhead versus leicester uh oh, yeah. today three two from 19 january 1975 the leather yeah. head because we were talking about that on the podcast and we don't rehearse anything on the podcast or any of my podcasts <laughs> we just start talking and going off on one and TC and myself were uh, talking about the FA Cup and Leatherhead and Leicester. I thought that game was played at Filbert Street, but it wasn't. It it was at Le- uh, Leatherhead, and um, right. Leicester ran out three two winners. But I remember that from years and years ago when it was on Match of the Day because they played yeah. in green kit, didn't they? Leatherhead and I'd never heard of Leatherhead before. As a I no. was ten at the time, and I thought, well, that's a nice name, isn't it, Leatherhead? <laughs> And, uh, yeah,
2: you'd be able to find that on YouTube as well I'm sure yeah, I was you'll find that it, I
1: was watching it Oh, did you say down it down? was on there? Oh, right yeah, i I'll have like to down. check that out then Yeah Excellent And, and Leicester won in the
2: end, didn't they? Sorry. Leicester did win in the end
1: Yeah, the one Leicester two. did
2: win in the end, didn't they? Yeah, 3-2 yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah
1: Yeah, Yeah,
2: yeah. rings a bell
1: 1975 Some iconic yeah. icon... We were talking about iconic um, FA Cup goals, etc And we were talking about the Radford. Oh. Radfords I've done a podcast with Pat Howard who was on the pitch, as well, as the ball was whistling over his head, and he looked and thought, wow. he half a chance of going in, that has. And then Ronnie Radford's goal in the top, top corner of the net, still rising, as he, the back of the net. And Love that on, goal. Yeah, went on to knock yeah. out uh, Newcastle United that day. But uh, yeah, Love that fun. goal, yeah.
2: He could just do a lot of hairs on the back of your neck, and you just even think of that goal, really the way oh, he it. Oh, what a, what a hit. What a hit. And, and also, it's the pitch, and the atmosphere oh, and everything, isn't it, about yeah. particular... And I think, what was great, I thought, was well, the FA Cup just a few weeks ago. I think, mean, again... I mean, there's been a bit of talk over a few years, is not there? The FA Cup is not as important as it used to be. But I don't know. I've, I've seen that. I think more and more clubs have been putting out those stronger teams again than yeah. the FA Cup. So, I uh... said that
1: on a podcast. I don't know whether it's Did because you? it's the yeah. 150th year yeah. and yeah, they've been well told be. to, because Centenary, 150.
3: Yeah. Put a strong yeah.
1: team out. I, d- I don't know. I don't know whether there's been anything from the FA that have said you must put a strong team out because it's 150 years, I don't know. But I have but noticed that they've put strong teams out.
2: They've seen some brilliant games, haven't they? Really yeah. brilliant. You know, well, I live not far from Kidderminster, And I can tell you, that yeah. week building up to that, uh, that game when they had it against West Ham, I mean, you can feel it in the area. You really yeah. could. them a local press and the local news in the papers just it was a real buzz around this area yeah. you know I'm not a Kidderminster fan by any means I've been to the ground a couple of times but the buzz in the area was amazing I'm watching that game I, I, I was a Kid Administer fan I think there quite a few people out there you know as underdogs nothing against West Ham at all but oh and it was so cruel at the end wasn't it
3: no, at the no, end
2: no. of 90 minutes and then at the end of yeah. 20 minutes but just just brilliant and then you, then you saw Bornwood. At least they um, managed to do it again Bournemouth, didn't they? So, uh, but just great moments in the FA Cup, isn't it? Really, really good. I could talk for England about FA Cup, you could probably tell. So I'm uh, just such a good, great fan of it. And it's great there's a few books coming out to celebrate it as well, like you said, over the coming months.
1: Absolutely. I think, uh, and I've done a lovely podcast with, with Pat out, another one, the um, name mm. of his life, about the 1974 FA Cup final. Um, yeah. And also, in 1974, the uh, a, a one-off podcast about the infamous FA Cup quarter-final tie between Newcastle United and Nottingham Forest. And to this day, Forest oh, fans yeah. are still fuming about that, aren't
2: they? <laughs> They're very much shy, I do remember that. Yes, it's um, at Newcastle, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Was,
1: it was. It was literally the game was abandoned. It was a void game. Um, yeah. Newcastle um, drawn out the act to to uh, Nottingham Forest. So it was at St James's Park. There was a full crowd, probably about sixty thousand. Forest took a yeah. large contingent there as well as they would. Great football club. Forest took yeah. an early two-goal lead. Newcastle pulled one back. Duncan McKenzie then ran into a, a defender and got a penalty. Duncan was good yeah. at doing that. And Pat said it was never a penalty ref. And the referee says, it's yeah. a penalty, get out of my face, yeah. go on the thing or I'll send you off. And he said, well, you send me off, you'll cause a riot. And yeah. he says, if you don't shut up, I'm going to send you off. And, uh, yeah. and he did, he sent Pat off. Sure enough, um, moments after, the Newcastle fans come on the pitch, a oh, pitch invasion, yeah. Player yeah. got took off, come back on, Bobby Monker scored the winner, late on in the yeah. game. For the inquiry and the uh, the FA turned it over, abandoned the game and played two replays at Goodison Park.
2: Yeah, McDonald scored. I think he got the winning goal, didn't he? He did. If yeah, I the remember. first
1: game was nil nil, and then Supermax scored scored one nil in the uh, in that second replay. Yeah, as Malcolm did yeah. in every every round, not every game, but every round of that cup that year. Uh, Malcolm scored apart from the final.
2: Yeah, you'll be definitely able to find that on YouTube if you wanted to. So, yeah, Forest fans will certainly remember that one. Yeah.
1: From 74. Sorry? They still ain't happy, are they, about that? No. What we mentioned earlier in the podcast, football fans, they are a different breed and they (laughs) do hold on to things for generations, don't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it did change that game when they. yeah, well, I was obviously coming to the picture. It was uh, a feverish ground, let's say, wasn't oh,
3: it? Oh, was at
2: that time, to say the least. So, yeah, it certainly swung it. But, yeah, great memories of the FA Cup, though, one way or another, isn't it? So, uh, again, it just shows our uh, That was a quarter-final tie. and just shows how importance is to, for many people. We've got that coming up soon, haven't we? The quarter- oh, no, the big round is coming up next, isn't it's it? So it's quite-
1: again, isn't it? Fifth round and quarterfinals midweek. Why'd you do that? 150th I know. year, you might be telling teams to get a strong team, make sure that the FA Cup doesn't lose the magic. And then you put the bloody fifth round and sixth round in midweek. Oh,
2: Yeah. You're Come on, right. I know. but need to change that semi finals as well. I think I heard you did say on your boss, because I was nodding yeah. away in agreement when you said it. About Kondidami. them playing at, yeah, at Wembley, Wembley. Oh, are just why do you? Why, yeah. that was just some great memories of FA Cup finals yeah. at, um you know, Villa Park. Yeah, Villa, so Park. Villa Park stands out. It was Uybury, arena.
1: Hillsborough, yeah. Villa Park, and yeah. Hillsborough, of course, were the two. But Ibroon yeah. played quite a few games at Ibury and then you know, probably Old Trafford Park might have been Old Trafford. Well, Old Trafford yeah. famously hosts the held the um, the replay of Chelsea. Versus uh, Manchester, uh, sorry, um, Leeds United in the nineteen seventy. Yeah.
3: The yeah. football
1: world wanted Chelsea to play Manchester United because Leeds knocked them out in the semi final. <laughs> but Alan Hudson wanted Leeds United because he always liked to go up against Bremner and Giles.
3: Yeah, They're always got yeah. the
1: best out of Alan. But yeah. another load of books I want to mention because it is February. We were going to do the podcast a week or so ago, which would have been earlier in February. And um, on the 6th of February, 1958, we lost arguably the greatest British team ever, the Babes. Mm -hmm. And there's some lovely books that I've got. Um, David Hall, Manchester's Finest, How the Munich Air Disaster Broke the Heart of a Great City, The Busby Babes, Men of Magic by Max Arthur, The Lost Babes, Manchester United, the Forgotten Victims of Munich, by Jeff Connor, and then two books on uh, on Duncan, one by Jim uh, James Layton, Duncan Edwards, just simply the greatest, Mm -hmm. and by uh, Ian McCartney, uh, forward by Harry Gregg, Uh, Duncan Edwards, the full report. So a number of Manchester United books that I have in my collection.
2: Yeah, no, they all do great justice as well to the book. the one I, I shared you know, on that day, on the anniversary of the sick, um, on the day uh, recently, was The Lost Babes yeah, by Jeff Connor. Yeah. Um, so it's just, just such a sad story, isn't it? Um, it's just remarkable in terms of yeah, really. It uh, cat- catapulted. It's obviously catapulted Manchester United, and you know, in terms of its, you know fame, etc., and what I did. Um, But in terms of the um, the players that were lost, obviously not just the players. You forget there's uh, other people on that plane, weren't there? The were yeah, journalists, etc., that were lost as well in that tragic accident. And was it the third attempt as well when they were trying to take yeah. off? And things like that. It's just incredible yeah. when you think back to it now. What what, what you know, how would that ever would never happen, would it nowadays?
1: Really? So there's a, really, so, uh, there's a the, the um yeah there's another the book. book. I'm going to go downstairs. You might have heard a bit of a row because I tell you, But there was a I'm sure there's a journalist on the plane uh, that wrote a book on the Busby Babes. I'm just going to open my book. not like you said. I'm sure in your house you have a book. You know all your books. Yep. Can you hear it? You're not having one. I want a bookcase to get all my books. <laughs> But my wife won't <laughs> allow me to. And I can't find it. But there is another Buzz um, Busby Babes does... book. But I can't yeah. put my finger on. Oh, yeah, look, There you go. Might... Got it. Got it. It's written by Frank Taylor, The Day a Team Died. And it's the, right. about the Munich Air Disaster. Classic eyewitness account of Munich 1958. So I thought I had another Busby Babes book in my, uh, my collection, yeah. and yes, it was down there. But all my books are hidden away in my little cabinet that looks like a drinks cabinet, but it's got some of my yeah. favourite books. So, <laughs> so there's a number of books on the Babes. And there's a lovely book. I'm going to do another uh, Too Good To Be Forgotten with um, Roy Cavanaugh, my friend Roy Cavanaugh, MBE. Yeah. He's written a book on um, uh, Coleman, Eddie Coleman,
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, who was the youngest Busby Babe to uh, to lose his life in Munich, aged yeah. just twenty one? I think the average age was twenty two of the babes. Eight of them, sadly, passed away, and yeah. many years before, in nineteen forty nine, on the fourth of May. 1949 we had the supergar air disaster where all the yeah. carino team lost their lives yeah. as well so we have had and, a uh, few yeah. air disasters and we did with that brazilian team didn't we uh, we it did yeah the japanese
2: team yeah. yeah from triumph to tragedy yeah that's um again the yeah, book came out about that terrible mm-hmm. tragedy um fairly recently and again yeah horrible accidents uh, of a great team the whole team well, was, sorry it wasn't the whole team There was, I think there was three survivors uh, from the football team from that particular incident but uh, there has been some tragedies like that hasn't there yeah, uh,
3: yeah and
2: those. every single one of them has got an incredible story they always seem to have some because the Japanese one is quite famous because of course in terms of um, how the team were doing so well very yeah. similar to you know the Buzzy Babes etc you know there's no it's just, yeah, the timing. It's never a good time, but it's, yeah, it's just the timing of these teams. It just seems, seems to makes it even more sad, doesn't it? You know,
1: Another book of, uh, that we're going to move on from, the Busby Babes. Um, mm. A Busby Babe who was very instrumental in the birth of, or the rebirth, yeah. I should say, of football in America. Uh, soccer, as the Americans over the other side of the pond call it. Uh, Dennis Violet, very, very instrumental in uh, in yeah. the rebranding rebirth of uh, of soccer in America. And Ian plender um Rock and Roll yeah. Soccer, The Short Life, and Fast Times of American North American Soccer League, the NASL. And yeah. another book by Tom Scholes, Stateside Soccer, Definitive History of Soccer in the United States. Now, when I say rebirth, it was a rebirth because... They were playing football in America mm. in the 1920s because Bella Gutman was, was out there playing. And I've mm. got an idea. It was the Wall Street crash that pretty much put paid to the, uh, the, the, the league, the professional league in America. In 1930, America finished third in the first World Cup in Uruguay.
3: Yeah. And I they didn't did, yeah.
1: realise all that, that there was a history of America, so I'm gonna look forward to reading that about the soccer history in the United States. And after the World Cup the Americans really wanted to re engage with association football, as they call it soccer. And in nineteen sixty seven yeah. it was the American Soccer League, the ASL, uh, and and there was a inf- very famous game between Washington Whips and Los Angeles Wolves where Aberdeen were the Washington Whips and Wolverhampton Wanderers were the Los Angeles Wolves and Wolves really? beat 5-4 in overtime and to this day they still talk about that in 1967 the great Peter Knowles played in that as did Derek Dugan and, and one or two others Jimmy Smith played for um, the Washington Whips that day Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Aberdeen, yeah, Aberdeen versus Wolves in America. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a recent book, and it's not going to... Uh, something... There's a gentleman called Bunk or Dunk. There's a recent book that came out about US soccer history. I'll have to dig it out and share it with you. Or we'll mention our next podcast so I'm sure you would be interested in. That was we'll talking about the, the life and times of the early days of um, American soccer, as you say. Uh, and that came out fairly recently I think it was last year it came out right. but for the life of me I cannot think and I'm hoping to get his name right if I can find it out in the next few minutes I will um, but yeah there was another book that came out recently um, yeah I'm but always... again you forget you forget yeah. how um, you know in terms of the early days uh, sorry th- how football did start a lot sooner than you think in America yeah, uh, maybe, yeah. yeah a lot sooner Um yeah. Um, one of those Actually there's a book I know well, I'll talk about it Pretty much on every podcast But it's brilliant By um, Chris Lee Of Outside Right Origin Stories Yes And he talks about Being the pioneers And yeah. talks about The early days of um, Football in America In there as well So it's, Yeah yeah, It's got a longer, lot longer History Than uh, some people may, may be surprised to hear
1: Oh absolutely really. But the NASL Is always And always Has been mm. the league That fascinated me and doing the podcast with Alan fascinates me even more, because when Alan played for Seattle Sounders, played against some of the greatest players. Love those names. Oh, yeah, that were ever put on (laughs) the planet. And Adrian Webster was a captain of of Seattle Sounders before Alan Hudson was captain. Um, Adrian goes back to the times where they just started playing, because... Seattle Sounders were were born in 1974, and yeah. uh, and and we've done a lovely podcast talking about those early days when they played in the uh, Super Bowl of '77 against Pele in Portland. Yeah, and uh, well,
2: that, well, that book, the Rock and Roll Soccer, there's some great pictures in that book as well. Actually, uh, there's one picture I've got here in front of me. You got Pele and George Best yeah. uh, playing against each other. So uh, you know. I'm a, <laughs> Just to it's just um, yeah, brilliant, really good. And you got uh, Rodney Marsh as well uh, in the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I love these names but the t- teams have played for. Yeah, they were just
1: a, the Tampa Bay.
2: The same Sorry,
1: they were just the Tampa Bay, wasn't they before Rodney put the Rowdies in? And <laughs> uh, well, his top is where he's got.
2: Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to say it because he's got his top. He's got the Rowdies on the front of it, so. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're right. (laughs) And
1: Philadelphia, we were just Philadelphia before Frank Worthington went over there and they called him the Furies. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, And and all the the lads played out there. They were great times. And as I'm doing Alan Hudson, we don't know whether we're going to call it Alan Hudson's NSL Memories or uh, Hudson's American Dream. We're working on the title. I'm going to do oh, it. Yeah, love the American
2: Dream. That sounds good.
1: Yeah, it does. Don't it? To be good. fair. Yeah. Um, and Alan always said that he was born to play in America. He loved his time in America and would never <laughs> have come back. He uh, was the Kellogg brothers owned uh, yeah. Seattle, and then when they uh, the franchise got sold, as Udi said, yeah. when you get a bad American, you get a bad American, and 1983, the Seattle, the franchise pretty much folded
2: you know you were talking about YouTube, et cetera? And that, that, I, rock and roll, this the book by you blend it. That's definitely one of those. I remember reading it. I do it quite often now. When I'm reading a book, it must have took me longer than, uh, than it should do because I'm constantly on YouTube looking at some of the videos. Oh, the problem. As you're reading through it, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I just want to Google that now. I'm just have a quick look. and you, yeah. By the time you know it, yeah, the book, well, it should have took you probably a couple of days to read. It took you probably a month. Because <laughs> you've been dipping out, in and out of YouTube videos and you know what it's like. You see one video and then you see, oh, yeah, what about that one as well, etc. So uh, but that's the beauty sometimes, isn't it? i get a mixture of seeing it both in the written form and also watching it again
1: yeah, live, not so live. This is not my, live, but, this is yeah. my <laughs> problem when I read a book, if I do read the book. I'm doing it to <laughs> research because I'm doing a podcast and as yeah. I'm reading the book, I have a piece of paper and I write down things if I'm doing an interview with somebody and then I'm looking, then I go on YouTube and I go, wow, I didn't realise that. And it's like with Johnny yeah. Joles, for instance. I thought that Johnny's last game um, for uh, uh, Manchester United was the uh, FA Cup final in 1963 when they beat Leicester 3-1. That was the year that yeah. Dennis Law scored three times against Gordon Banks, the three different uh, teams, Scotland, yeah. Manchester United, and the rest of the world. But he played in the charity shield against Everton when they got beat 4-0. And then for the mm. first game of the season, uh, he wasn't picked. And then uh, he didn't play again for Manchester United. And Don Revie took him to uh, Leeds United to play in the second division. Johnny said one of the big reasons that he did join Don Revie at Leeds United was Bobby Collins. Who uh, dropped down yeah. to the second division from Everton? So, you know, when you, you when I'm looking at yeah. things, I like yourself go on YouTube, have a look, look at them yeah. talking because there's so many little clips and stuff yeah. where you can listen yeah. to the players talk and uh, you get a great insight to it. So yeah, that's half the reason that it takes me so long to read a book <laughs> because I'm doing I'm doing podcasts. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great source of information, isn't it? Definitely, excellent. Um, a couple of books uh, I didn't mention have also recently just come out. Um, one very recent because you you talked about Manchester United a little bit there as well when you mentioned about the Bulls and the babes. Uh, is Rooney, uh, teenage kicks?
1: Okay, uh, is a book which yeah.
2: just come out by Wayne Barton, who's yeah. a very prolific uh, writer mm. for Manchester United, and um, yeah, so it's about. Rooney's career, uh, etc. And um, I always think about that goal he scored against Arsenal, didn't he? Went up for Everton, of course, when he was 16. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't realise, I forgot really, Rooney scored a hat-trick on his debut uh, for Manchester United. Oh, right? Uh, it was in a, yeah, he scored a hat-trick on his debut. It was um, a 6-2 win of a fan So, So, um, yeah, I forgot when he scored really? a hat-trick. Similar to... When, I also um, saw a link to it. Alan Shearer, he scored a hat-trick on his uh, debut. That was for Southampton. So there's a few players out there who scored hat-tricks on their um, debuts. Uh, Ravinelli's another one, if you remember him.
1: Yeah, he played at Middlesbrough. Feather. Yeah,
2: Yeah, the White Feather. Mm-hmm. He scored a hat-trick on his debut for Middlesbrough against Liverpool in '96 at Riverside. But, but going back to Rooney, yeah. So um, that's uh, Rooney's teenage kicks and... Uh, He's not doing too bad his uh, management career either, is he? He's doing all right at Derby if he if he keeps them up. And uh, I watched the, um, uh, no offence anyone's listening from Peterborough Reading, but I watched them play last night, and uh, I wouldn't say uh, Derby should be too frightened, because I think them two, yeah, I think I think I think they're just above them both, aren't they? But what he's doing there, Wayne Rooney, really, is incredible. Really, You instead of a twenty-one point deduction, and the fact they're even. Uh, Got a chance, haven't they? Staying up, he's done an incredible well, job. I
1: said to Tom, and I looked at mm. um, the the football league, the uh, the championship league, and I said, Yeah, do you know what? If Reading would have been docked the same amount of points as Derby County, mm. they'd be on mm. one point now. Because yeah, they would be on yeah. two because they just got the draw. And when you look yeah. at Derby. With the points deduction, then points added on, Derby are at least halfway up that championship. So that's what Derby... Derby aren't a bottom three team. They're halfway or just above halfway in the championship. That's the level of Derby. I fully expect Derby County to stay up. And I think it will be one of the great achievements. of uh, of football, and not just modern football that was invented in uh, 1992 by Sky, but since 1888, it would be a fantastic achievement, and and the fact that I think he only had about eight or nine plays, didn't he, in August, he had to beg and borrow and, you know, get a team together, it's absolutely, I mean, it's it's a Hollywood blockbuster as well, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and his team got he, they had to sell players, of course, in January again, didn't they? Of yeah, course, if, if it was hanging over him. Yeah, so he yeah. lost um, yeah. the centre-back. I mean, this is Stoke. Yeah, uh, his yeah, His name is... Jaggi
1: Oka. Jaggi Oka, that's Jackie it, Elker, yeah. He's yeah. so, yeah, gone. Yeah, we've got um, to get rid of a, a number of players. Yeah,
2: they're <laughs> I mean, yeah, really still, it's still a, keeping going.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is a tale of against all odds, isn't it? So you can almost yeah. see Phil Collins doing the, uh, the, uh, yeah. the uh, um, you know, the playlist, the... Yeah. soundtrack to, uh, to this movie this great Hollywood blockbuster it was uh, Wayne Rooney because he did it over in America so they know Wayne over in America yeah. uh, he was at uh, DC
2: United wasn't it yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely yeah uh, getting yeah, on by it. John was it John Sperling uh, that looks as yes. though it's going to be a, a great book set against the backdrop of a three-day-week strikes, political unrest, freezing winters, glam rock. It tells an intriguing inside story about commercialism, invasion, yep. racism, and hooliganism. rocks the seventies game of association football. That looks a cracking book. I've got that one on order as well. So I like yeah, anything seventies. What other seventies books have we got coming out on the horizon?
2: Well, you've got um uh so get it, you've just mentioned yeah, get it on because you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to mention that mm-hmm. one. So uh, um, Busby Babe, Sammy McElroy, um yeah, Wayne read that as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's with Wayne uh, with mm-hmm. Wayne Barton as well. So obviously um yeah he what, made well over four hundred appearances. Um, uh, not quite the 70s, you've got the Fields of Wonder, there's a book coming out which is about um, the incredible story of Northern Ireland in the 1982 World Cup yep. uh, by Ivan Marshall. Um, I'm just trying to think of other ones of the 1970s. There's, there's a, few a book that's coming in 1958,
1: out, but, isn't there, the Northern Ireland that got to the World Cup? Was the Spirit Peter, of
2: 58, yeah, yeah. Peter
1: Doherty was the manager in those days.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was it. So, that was famous when they beat and they qualified to Italy, was it? I'm trying to remember where the World Cup was at that time. But
1: 1958, yeah. it was in um, Sweden.
2: Was it Sweden? Yeah. Of course it was, it was Sweden, yes. Was yeah. They won it, didn't
1: they? 5-2, they beat Sweden yeah. in the final.
2: Pelly yeah. nearly got yeah.
1: kneecapped. If so yes. you remember his 17-year-old kid, he just sidestepped him and bang and knocked it in. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah, Yeah. they were led by uh, Danny Planchfau, weren't they? The Northern Ireland team, then, if yeah. I remember rightly yeah so um but yeah so um uh there's also a few others that's coming out from may onwards um and um yeah, of course in the seventies, but off the top of my head, I'm struggling to remember him off
1: the top <laughs> Ain't got a yeah, barrel bit, so. ain't got a barrel of money sheffield united oh, yes, holfield yeah seventy five yeah. united finished six in division one. Yeah. Level with Stoke on 49 points. Stoke just had a better goal average. It was goal average in them days, not different. But within yeah. six years, they'd gone from the brink of greatness to relegation to the fourth division. And on the way, en route to uh, the fourth division, they played Sheffield Wednesday, 1979, in mm. uh, what's known as the Boxing Day Massacre, when yeah. Wednesday put United to the sword. And Terry Curran earned himself a few quid. Uh, he did with all, with by the... doing that,
2: <laughs> doing that, uh, celebration, didn't he? Yeah. So uh...
1: <laughs> in the left hand lane, and there he was, TC. He done some uh, sunbathing as well. <laughs> on that. He, honestly, such a character, TC. He liked yeah. just like lay there on the floor on the ball, and, and like the United fans were doing bar, mate. they were they chucking, were, were they? they were chucking." It was to be fair, he said it was mainly copper. But Sheffield United, was said, it? if that had been Chelsea, they'd have been at least 50 pences. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: oh, it's You've got to watch that on YouTube if anyone's listening. Definitely watch that. Well, just watch that for the um, uh, for the crowd as well. The crowd was incredible, wasn't it? 49,000
1: officially. The yeah. Bitter against wow. Bournemouth was 48,000. And that was 40. Yeah. That's the highest ever for a third, uh, third tier, third division in old money game of football the red TC said there's no way there's 49 it's more like 59,000 I mean the way yeah. they crammed them there in Hillsborough and that cop that cop at Hillsborough before it had the roof on was absolutely phenomenal it looked yeah. as though it did go all the way up to the clouds but, yeah, and I did. think most Sheffield Wednesday fans were walking out thinking that they were in the clouds as well that day. <laughs> but I'm going to do a, TC, a podcast with TC game of my life when we're going to look back at the Boxing Day massacre and I think we'll do a little double because I think it was um, March time Easter time when they played United at Bramall Lane and TC took the ball in the corner went past about three or four United players and then just pinged it in the bag one of his best goals not his best goal but one of the best goals that he scored during his career his best goal was uh, for Forrest against Fulham away yeah
2: yeah. And that Ain't Got a Barrel of um, Money. We mentioned it on last month's yeah, podcast. I, think we did, I don't know if you know what um, the reason for the name after it. I since found out. It's, uh, it's a chant that's basically sang by Sheffield uh, United fans. Oh, right. Uh, which, in fact, I've got it written down here. I'm not going to sing it because I don't know how it goes, but it says, We Ain't Got a Barrel of Money. We Ain't Got Woodward and Curry, but with Eddie Colquane. Col- yeah,
1: yeah Ten yeah. Ralf.
2: Yeah, promotion is so united all together now. And it starts again. But uh, that's the idea that's the name of the book. It comes from a yeah, from a chance uh, with Sheffield United fans. Jason Harley had a writing, he's a big he's a lifelong Sheffield United fan, so um uh, uh, but yeah, fascinating in terms of the highs and lows, certainly of those times wasn't it, for Sheffield United again. Yeah, when they suddenly come crashing down.
1: So I mean it could have been called the Chip Butty book then as well, couldn't it? It could have been. <laughs> yeah. It's probably got a better ring to it. it ain't got a barrel of money. It's probably got a better <laughs> ring than a chip butty book. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah Tony Curry again. I've done a uh, Legends podcast with uh, with Tony Curry. Uh, what a fabulous yeah. guy and one of one of my heroes growing up. You know, tremendous. Listening to TC, recall his. Memories of his glorious career, not just for Sheffield United, but for Leeds and Watford he started off with and played for England, of course, and Queen's Park Rangers. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I'm just going to shout back to Terry's books, uh, Give Me The Ball, obviously they came out. Um, Just going to shout out to the publishers, Morgan Lawrence Publish Services. Um, I've been lucky enough, they've sent me a couple of their books. Uh, All really good. Obviously, not Give Me The Ball, Terry Coven's, uh, and his first book, as you know, Football Maverick, is a brilliant read as well. But also from Morgan Lawrence, um, recently come out last last year. Uh, they did an autobiography of Gary Mills. Yeah. So yeah. Young Millsy, yeah. My Life in Football. Yeah, Jumping That's it, yeah. The forwards are from uh, Gary Bertels. So, um, yeah, so obviously, um So, it's so nominous in the East Midlands, obviously in Leicester City, uh, Forest, Knotts County, Derby County etc so um, yeah so that's Young Millsy another book from Morgan Lawrence um, came out last year was Julian Joachim
1: yep, JJ. my
2: life in football you must be Joachim if you remember mm-hmm. him again if you see yeah. on YouTube he was that quick unbelievable oh, Lord, wasn't he, it? JJ was. he
1: he played
2: at the Villa yeah. for a while mm-hmm. he did yeah that's mm-hmm. it well, I think I remember watching him actually at Silver Street many years ago and I remember yeah. thinking Crack, he can move yeah, you know, the blistering pace. So um but yeah, yeah I remember the...
1: him destroying Birmingham for Leicester, one then thinking, yeah he can mm.
2: move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he uh, he played at Villa, Cobb City, Warsaw, uh and he finished at Boston United and Leeds United, sorry, in between that as yeah. well. Uh and also Dar- sorry, Darlington, uh, I'm looking on here. So that's from Morgan Lawrence, um, publishing. Um there seems to be a connection with Leicester, one other book from that came from them. Um, was around about this time last year. It was called Minding My Own Football Business. So I actually did a review of this book. and posted was Barry, on the not Yeah, Barry Pierpoint. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, And it's a fascinating read. He was the Leicester City's first chief executive. Mm. So it's the inside story of Leicester City's success. And he was um, very much uh, forward-thinking. He's, uh, he came from a marketing background, did Barry Pierpoint. So he brought that into the club. They did things like... Uh, uh, the Leicester fans will know all this they did uh, family night football uh, FNF family night football it's, um, at Leicester's Old Grounds obviously you had the stadium uh, you had the stand that was built the Carling I think it was called the Carling Stand for Memorali really, when it was first built uh, and then Fox Leisure they were one of the first teams to ever a lot of clubs have got Umbro, Adidas etc they come up with their own uh, Fox mm-hmm. Leisure which was a local uh, clothing company in Leicester so yeah if you go back to see the pictures from when Steve Steve Walsh like celebrating uh, scoring in the playoff final you'll see on the Leicester tops it's Fox Leisure so uh, very unique kind of thing so uh, but it's a really really good book um, about his times there uh, and that's again from Morgan Lyons, so yeah, they've done a number of really good books. Uh, did did they the wear any
1: fox hats? So. Say that again, sorry? Did they wear any fox hats? Fox hats?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 what, are they, where, where's that then? Sorry. What do you mean?
1: I thought when the gaffer says, where the fox hat? <laughs> oh,
2: well, <right. laughs> I see what you mean. Yes, no, wonder well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, he, he's was. he got something to do with the publishing company, hasn't he, as well, Barry?
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think he has, yeah. Yeah. But that was a good book, that last one I mentioned. Interesting read. So, uh, lots of nostalgia. And this is all before they moved over to um, the new grounds
1: At yeah, the Walker and...
2: Stadium or King Power, as it's now known.
1: Yeah, superb. Another book I just wanted to mention, too, was Our well, Mr. by Rory Smith looks at the pioneers of the game and tells the story of the men who taught oh, the world to play and shaped its destiny. So uh, that looks a, a great book as well, Mr. by Rory Smith. Yeah, that's one of my favourites. Old and new, borrowed and yeah. blue. And uh, yeah. oh, I've got to mention The Smell of Football too by Mick Baz Rathbone. I've got, oh, his, yeah. I've got his smell of football. But, uh, and he's been promoting it on... Social meet, uh social meters, social media as well. And uh, yeah. former former player of Birmingham City, who I believe he left Birmingham, went to Blackburn Rovers, and was he? I think he was a physio then, wasn't he? At, at Blackburn, and that's where yeah. the uh, smell of football come from, I believe. His his tales of um, his life and times in football, which you know it, it would. And this is part two, so it was a great read. The first book, although I didn't read it, I have got it, but I didn't read it. Uh, I'm sure this one will
2: it was be very really popular. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was very popular. The first book. Uh, yeah. It's famous. because on the front of it. The smell of football. It's the um, it's the um, the cream, is not it? Oh, it'll come back to me. What is it? The um. Oh, I remember using it when I was playing football. It's the deep heat, deep heat kind of cream.
1: Oh, we've got uh, a story on... about deep heat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: <laughs> I think we'll have that one on the next podcast. The uh, towels at Mavericks <laughs> towel. And it'll be yeah. Tony Morley telling the story about um, uh, D. Pete, yeah. Bristol City dressing room, and Brendan mm-hmm. Ormes being it's an absolute classic.
2: Brilliant. Excellent. i well, it's looking forward to that uh, big his second book. The first book was really good. Really, really good. Quite a character.
1: Absolutely. Any other books that you want to give a mention to, sir, before we wrap up part five?
2: Well, the the only one I, uh, I didn't mention, I, I missed it earlier because it was on the three recommendations I did in the newsletter. Uh, I mentioned um, the the other two. Uh, Can we have a football back and living on a volcano? And the third one I um, recommended was the names heard long ago, which is oh. Jonathan Wilson. I know we've talked about Jonathan over the uh, few podcasts, but yeah, one of the great writers. So that that book is fantastic really recommend that. it's the um, it's how the golden age of UK- hungarian football shapes uh, the modern game and it's, uh, it's it's yeah brilliant read it's um uh it's it's, it's all about the um the history uh, of hungarian football but it's so much more than that really. I'm not, I can't really do it justice it's one of those books it really is one of those you have to read if I he writes in the prologue I remember writing down here it says this is a football book But it's also a book about courage and tragedy, about survival and death, about the horror of the Holocaust, uh, the Soviet um, repression, and the awful choices that people had to make uh, during and after the uprising of 1956. Um, But it's a fascinating book, 15 Years in the Making, it was, uh, for Jonathan Wilson, in between other great books he's done, Behind the Curtain, uh amongst others, etc. But Angels that was and uh, dirty
3: yeah.
2: yeah, Angels at oh, all, but another great book comes in Argentina, but um, yeah. This one, as it says on the back it's all de um, revealing the soccer secret history of modern football. And uh yeah, the list of obviously great names that you'll be fully aware of are the Mighty Magyars, um right from the time where uh when they famously beat England, obviously at Wembley. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention it earlier, so I did really want to give that a shout-out. I've mentioned it before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. It's a really, really good book.
1: Well, that's not uh, the by way Jonathan you mentioned Wilson. two at the beginning. We finished mm. on that third one, and it does lead us nicely to the last trilogy, because as you've talked about the names mm. heard long ago in 1956, and it was Hungary and Wolves that pretty much started the European Cup when they played each other after England had been beaten yeah. in uh, fifty three and fifty four by the Hungarians. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hungarians then got beaten in the World Cup final <clears> by <throat> West Germany um, in the battle, well, the miracle, the miracle of, uh, of Bern. Bern, um, uh, yeah. And um, three books, a trilogy uh, by Stephen Craig, the, uh, yeah. the European Cup, the undisputed champions of Europe, they say yeah. all of this European stuff didn't go on until England played Hungary <laughs> and then Wolves played Honved. And then the the English were saying that we got our national pride back. The English game is the greatest game in the world. And in the yeah. Parisian papers, they said it may be or it may not be. Let's have a tournament to, si- to decide and to see who is the best club side in Europe. Mm, So that was mm. the uh, forerunner, really, of the European Cup. The undisputed champions of Europe, the gods of football, became European royalty. A tournament frozen in time, the wonderful uh, randomness of the European Cup, Winners' Cup. And his other one was where the cool kids hung out, the shiky of the UEFA Cup. And a fantastic trilogy there by Stephen Scrag. Great books. I love the... I mean, just picking them up, it's absolutely fantastic. And The one thing I love, I love all factual things in books as well, and uh, I didn't see any of the finals and the results, etc. So... I uh, I got to the first cup and I wrote them all down from 1969 to 70 to 1969 yeah. to 80 <laughs> and uh, yeah it was fantastic you know Arsenal winning the uh, the first one yeah. out of the decade uh, 4-3 on aggregate beating Anderlecht. <laughs> and then Leeds yeah. United winning in 1971 the first cup. And then Spurs, the all-English first, all-English European final. Liverpool beat Munch and Gladbach 73. Final beating Spurs, 4-2 on aggregate. Because it was a yeah. two-legged final. Those were brilliant, the two-legged final. Borussia, Munch and Gladbach then Liverpool, Juventus, PSV. Borussia again get a nine-track Frankfurt. I just love looking yeah. at the results and... Uh, you know, what a tournament. One of the great tournaments. Well, all three were great tournaments. They were. Not like what we've got now. Champions League, Europa League, and then some tin pot league from the conference.
2: The Champions League doesn't include necessarily the champions.
1: Exactly, it's crazy. Let's go back to yeah. the times when we had the European Cup, which was a great yeah. cup. The... Yeah. Top winners, top.
2: I don't think the names are even as good now. There's, I think it's on to where we're doing this now. Tonight, you've got the Europa League, but I think you've got the Europa Conference yeah,
3: absolutely, Cup
2: yeah. or something. Yeah, like. yeah, I think yeah. he, is it Brendan Rodgers I think, said at Leicester? I think Leicester yeah. are playing in that. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think he even knew what it was, did he? I no. didn't <laughs> even know there was a such a competition which just said it all. It's just having yeah. the mystique, like the European Cup Winners Cup and UEFA Cup. Yeah. and Yeah.
1: Well, it, it was what he Euro- said on the team, wasn't it? I mean, this conference yeah. league, anybody that finishes seventh, I think, goes into that. I mean, I've only had it <laughs> this year. It's a ridiculous competition. But back in <laughs> the European Cup, it was the winners of the league. The UEFA yeah. Cup was the runners-up and down to fourth. And then the Cup yeah. Winners Cup was the Cup Winners. Yeah, yeah, simple can you get? Brilliant competition. Yeah. And, they tell, and they try and tell me, football is better these days. You're
2: having a laugh. Well it was some great winners. That European Cup Winners Cup, which is the first one of that trudge frozen in time. Yeah. You had the last Man City won it, didn't they? Uh yeah, West Ham. Sorry. Uh, <coughs> frozen at, in time. But cup Winners Cup, yeah. Cup Winners Cup, sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, Manchester I'm sure yeah, Manchester City won it in nineteen seventy. Tottenham won it. West Ham, uh Chelsea. Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: And then you got yeah, lots of other clubs, you know, from outside of England. Hamburg. Uh, sorry, 1860 Munich. I remember that one. 65. Uh, Aberdeen, of course, famously in Gothenburg in '83 against
1: you, you can't. Real you, Madrid. You can't yeah. Miss out. Chelsea in 1971 when. Oh, they, of course. When yeah. they knocked out the, uh, the 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 reigning champions, Manchester City, in yeah. the, in the semi-final, and then uh, they, they run out winners against Real Madrid. Lovely stories that Alan Hudson tells about the Athens Hilton, Osgood, Charlie Cook and Sponge. (laughs) They really were (laughs) the kings of the King's Road. And uh, finally, I want to give a mention to my Bible, uh, Alan Hudson, the working man's ballet. Um, Brilliant. If it wasn't for a fortuitous email to Alan Hudson, I wouldn't be sitting here or standing here talking (laughs) to you today or doing any podcasts that I've ever done because they only really have fallen out of the stuff that I've done with Hoodie. So, um,
2: yeah.
1: yeah, And what a read, The Working Man's Ballet.
2: One of the best titles for a book as well, isn't it, Gabby?
1: Yeah, and a a title given in to him by his mentor and second father, Mm. Tony, uh, Tony Waddington, what the God, Uh, what a different class of a manager. Um, Excellent. what, what, uh, What more can you say?
2: No, 17, absolutely brilliant.
1: Seventeen years manager of Stoke City, and in that time, the great and the good football all played at the Victoria Ground. It it just, there, there's not many more romantic stories than what Tony Waddington did at, uh, at Stoke City and what he'd done for Stoke City. a Shame yeah. that Stoke City didn't reward him in the same way that he rewarded them, but that's football.
2: Yeah, no. He had a, who's who didn't he, a footballer certainly at that time. Did Tony oh, what, it's Waddington? It's remarkable, isn't it?
1: When you yeah. when you look at um Tony Waddington, um and what he done at Stoke City, absolutely untrue. The players that he brought to the Pottery is it's phenomenal. Yeah, and we're, yeah I'm it gonna was. I'm gonna start with um with the uh, the Waddington because Tony uh, Alan wrote a, a book about Tony. And there are a number of other books about Tony Waddington, and I think I'm going to start with uh, with that on uh, next month's podcast. Excellent, good okay. place to start. Yep. Brilliant. So, thank you for your time, sir. Love to you and yours, Thanks, and thank you everybody uh, for listening.
2: Excellent. Take care of yourself, everyone, and happy reading.
1: Absolutely, and I bet you I'll still be on page 105 of. Grandad, what well, was football like in the 70s?
2: We've got to... We, maybe we should read part of it on the next podcast, Gabby, <laughs> together. We should uh, somehow read it to each other uh, for half an hour at least so we can move on from that page.
1: You don't want me reading out loud.
2: A bit like a Kindle, you know, like they do uh, an Amazon Kindle. We can read it out together. So, uh, well, I put my terms, maybe. lack
1: of reading and bad reading... <laughs> Down to when I was at school and in English, all we done was argue about Birmingham City and Aston Villa and we didn't, I didn't read anything and I think it's because of that, that's half of the reason I'm so bad at reading now, I didn't do nothing in English when I was at school.
2: Well, you're but, do, you're doing the right thing to remote books. That's the main thing, I guess. Then, so at least we're doing that part. Well, God loves a so.
1: trying, and my God, I try.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.
1: Cheers. See you guys. D- Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.